Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. It's me, Jess Perkins. <laughs> Just quickly, how good is it to be alive? Uh, check out my special live at Stupid Oz Studios uh, online for who are free you? right now. Matt Stewart. You didn't sing your name, so I didn't know who you were. <laughs> Matt Stewart. I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh my God, I'm Matt Stewart. <laughs> Jess, what, you, just are you heard, okay? All right. You heard someone say your name and you're like, oh, got to plug something. <laughs> <laughs> got to plug something. It's like the idea of uh, just always being plugging. Always be plugging. Always be plugging. ABP, plug baby. ABP. <laughs> <laughs> always be plugging. I feel like uh, we're in uh, relax mode. Matt and I are on the couch. Jess, you, you're in your sort of office chair or yeah. recording at your place. But Matt and I, we're on the couch. We're on a couple therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you guys are not going to make it. <laughs> oh, wow. Nah, I reckon you will. Thank you. You just have to You have to meet each other halfway, you know? Yeah. You got to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You got to be the partner you want to you want 
the other person to be. Well, this asshole won't put out the bins. <laughs> well, Dave. And, and he won't put out at all. <laughs> hey, you put your bin out and I'll put myself out, okay? okay. How about that? All right. Deal. Uh, <laughs> therapy over, Matt. What is, what is this show all about? Oh, when well, we're not having our issues. What it is about is uh, it's basically a podcast, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, history shows. I was. I'm like, I just hate when I say that. Um, it's like a show where we one of us researches a topic, usually suggested by a listener. We bring back that information in the form of basically like a, a school report mm. and we do a little oral presentation, bring it back to the class, and uh, the other two interrupt incessantly with uh, dog shit riffs. <laughs> And uh, tedious tangents. And let's not forget plugs. And plugs. <laughs> because ABP. Always been plugging, baby. If you just look it up on the stupid old channel uh, on YouTube, <laughs> you can see my, yeah. It's a great our, special. Our special. See the master at work. You can listen out for Dave's laugh. People people have said they in the comments that they've heard your laugh, Jess. I'm like, well, she was not, <laughs> there. not there. That's incredible. I was at work that night. I did a great impression that day. Yeah, which is impressive. You've been working on that for years and you finally nailed it just and that this, one time. And I'm going to do your laugh right now. One, two, three. Here's my laugh. <laughs> Holy moly. That was good. <laughs> good on it. That was wow. very good. That's not what I laugh. Is that how I sound? <laughs> well, according to me. Jesus Christ. Best laugh in the business, That's eh? insufferable. When I say that, I mean me <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> anyway, Dave, uh, we get on the topic with a question. You're Absolutely. doing the report this week. Yes, I am. Do you have a question? My question is, <clears throat> hands on buzzers. Which actor has starred in the following films? Ooh, okay. I love these games. Stop me when you've got a guess. Okay. Oh. And do you, what, are you locked out once you have a guess? No, you can keep going, I reckon. Okay. Great. We'll go forever. Trapped um. in paradise. Drive angry. <laughs> the ant bully. <laughs> the ant bully. Kiss of death. <laughs> Seeking justice. Any early guesses? Steven Seagal. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Gosh, that would have been great. Dying of the light. Dog Eat dog. Uh, Jackie Chan. Uh, Nicholas Cage. I'm trying to think of someone interesting yeah. that you would have done a report about. You are correct. It is Nicholas Cage. Oh, oh no shit. You are joking. <laughs> I'm doing a report on Nicholas Cage. Oh, my God. Don't tell me you started one. Yes. No. <laughs> oh, thank God. I was always I was so worried because I've been writing it for a couple of weeks and two weeks ago, at the end of the pod, Jess, you were going home to watch a Nicolas Cage film, The Rock, with your partner who suggested a Nicolas Cage marathon. And I was thinking, I'm already doing one right <laughs> I cannot believe that. Yeah, because we did watch The Rock. Because you're right. I said, I was like, can we watch The Rock? And he said, yes, we can have a Nicolas Cage marathon. I said, oh, not what I asked. Um, but we just watched The Rock like last week. I love it so much. I hadn't seen it before. For, so for the first oh. time opinions um thoughts feelings love it's there's some scenes that are batshit truly and oh, yeah. it was great a great film what a romp <laughs> nicholas cage an unhinged incredible strange man and i'm so excited for you to talk about <laughs> oh, him for like so an hour good. and a half these are the other movies i would have said um which one made you think it matt or are you just thinking any actor that i like i was thinking of actors have done a lot of movies that and he sort of famously just does a lot of movies right and some of them are just you never hear about mm. yeah, very- I, definitely that was more obscure getting less <laughs> i had i hadn't heard of any of those you didn't go face off <laughs> yeah. it was gonna go peggy sue got married uh. captain corelli's mandolin ghost Rider. Yep. I thought you get it from there, but then we had Connor. Melbourne. <laughs> I don't, did I, have I told you my dad 
was on the set one day of of Ghost Rider. Let's talk about that. Right he loves now. to tell that story. He'll be screaming at his iPod right now as he listens. John, what were you doing there? Uh, he was. It was like it was a work thing. I'm pretty sure. I'll butcher this, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> a work thing. Like Dad's a. Sa- he was a salesman, and he was. He at the time was working like selling racking for big warehouses and stuff. So like shelving storage, that sort of stuff for big warehouses. And he went to like a a job in Docklands, and they were filming Ghost Rider. And he's just like, "That's Nicholas Cage on a motorbike over there." Oh my god! Wild. It seems like Melbourne every few years just has a, a Hollywood star in town, yeah. and it, it's news for a bit. For this, like, <laughs> and the movie's always pretty obscure by Hollywood standards. Yeah. Like, we've got John Cena here at the moment. I know. And Zach Efron, I think. Yes. Doing, I'm not sure what. And I saw John Cena. But just it'll on be on the street. It'll be on really? the news every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he, like, almost run into your car? Yeah, he almost stepped out in front of my car because he was looking the wrong way. That's Wow. And then he like- turned and waved. He was very nice. He, like, he waved thank you. And I was like, that's John fucking your Cena. Your car would come off second best. Yeah, big time. Wow, did he say, you can't see me? And I said- One of his classic lines. Yes, right, yeah, okay. no, that's- As um, when he was a wrestler. From the wrestling, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you screw, you drive around the corner, you can't see me. I mean, didn't you fucking see me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's How a green you? light. Bit of fun there. WWF, love it. WWE, whatever. Uh, this topic, Nicholas Cage, has been suggested by uh, one person- Officially, that's Warren Vaughn Genders from Lincoln. Thank you so oh much. Oh, my God. That's a great name. Are you kidding me? Warren Vaughn Genders. That's a fantastic name. And also, there was a kind of cage-esque topic, thank you, from Kieran F- Foster in Leicester that I kind of cover within the report. Great. So, shout out to you too. Thanks so much. So, do Exciting. You, do you know much about the man, the myth, the legend? Oh, bits and pieces. Emphasis on myth there. Right. A lot of this is based on he's given- Dozens of long-form interviews over the years promoting films. That's usually how he seems to promote his films. Does a few uh, TV interviews, but for not that many. And for ages, it felt like he would sit down with Vanity Fair or The Guardian or something, and he just tells stories about his life. So, most of this is coming from the man's mouth himself. Right. I'm taking it at face-off value. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. So let's let's dig in. Nicholas Cage was born. That's not his real name. Nicholas Kim Coppola, Coppola. on January 7, 1964. That's right. Some people, I think Americans say Coppola. Coppola, yeah. Coppola, Coppola. I apologise if I'm saying the wrong one. He comes from the famous Coppola family, and their family tree and list of achievements is quite simply incredible. It's wild. So, does he count as a Nepo baby? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. A Nepo grandbaby, a Nepo nephew. Nepo cousin. Yes. He's Nepo everything. It all starts with Nick's grandparents, Grandma Italia Coppola, born 1912, known in the family as Mamarella. She's also known for her Italian cooking. She published a cookbook called Mama Coppola's Pasta Book and put out a line of sauces called Mamarella. Oh, Oh, that's so good. To her, though, she wouldn't call it Italian cooking. She'd just call it cooking. Cooking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely right. (laughs) Matt, you are absolutely right. Sort on there, actually. (laughs) No, actually, bang on. Spot on there. What an astute observation. Good shout. Good shout, that. Her father was a composer of popular Italian songs and also owned a motion picture theatre. Wow. Very early on. So, cinema was even in Mamarella's blood. Whoa. So, that's the matriarch, Mamarella. Her husband, Carmine Coppola, was a flautist. Mm. Flute player born 1910. He won the Academy Award for Best Original Song and 
Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score with BAFTA Award and Grammy Award nominations for his music. Wow. He won the Oscar for a song he wrote for his son, Francis Ford Coppola's film, The Godfather Part Two. Ah. Francis Ford himself has won five Academy Awards and directed some of the most acclaimed films of the 20th century, including The Godfather Trilogy and Apocalypse Now. So, he's Nick's uncle. Mm-hmm. And just following down Francis Ford's descendants, his daughter is Sophia Coppola, who is also an acclaimed filmmaker, having won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for Lost in Translation. Her brother is Roman Coppola, who's also a filmmaker and has been nominated for an Academy Award, a Grammy and a BAFTA. Far out. Wow. So that's one side so of the part family. Part of the reason for this is their family makes up a third of the, the judges. <laughs> I think once you win, you do become part of the, the voting for sure. The Academy is, yeah, nearly all couplers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one side of the family. Italia and Carmine also had a daughter named Talia Rose Shire, Nee Coppola, who appeared in the Godfather and Rocky films, for which she was nominated for Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actress and Best Actress. Wow. Her husband, Jack Schwartzman, was a film producer and produced the James Bond film Never Say Never Again, which is the one where Sean Connery came back and they remade Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had two sons, Robert Schwartzman, who has directed three films and plays in the band Rooney. Mm-hmm. Do you know that band? Yep. No. What kind of band is Rooney? It's sort of pop rock. That, that one song I know is "When or Where Did Your Heart Go Missing." It's good stuff. Sounds like Robert. a good song. Named after the principal from Ferris Bueller or Wayne? Oh, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, absolutely. I think one it's of Wayne. It's Wayne. What the big, the oh, big one? Yeah, right. <laughs> Founds of Wayne also named after Wayne Rooney. Founds of Wayne Rooney, the original <laughs> yeah. name. He but was it- also in the Princess Diaries. Really? Who yeah. did he play? He's like the love that. interest in the Princess Diaries. Uh, Across from Anne Hathaway. God, I can't even remember him doing that. Great film, though. Great film. Great film. And if you can't remember it, that means you're due for a rewatch. Turn off the podcast. (laughs) I'll put the TV on. (laughs) I'll make some popcorn. Let's go. And enjoy. (laughs) This is a wild family tree. Oh, so, and then his brother is Jason Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Great actor, co-writer of a bunch of Wes Anderson films, and also, most importantly, the former drummer of Phantom Planet that performed the <laughs> OC theme song. Cal- he played on and co-wrote that track. Yeah, right. Okay, I did not know that about Jason Schwartzman. That's wild. It's not wild. And it's he- such an insane family. He left the band basically to be an actor. He plays drums in A Very Murray Christmas. Ah. With, uh, I think he plays drums for Phoenix, maybe, or something. Oh, awesome. He still stuff. got it. Still got it. <laughs> uh, the final child, so that's- Nick's cousins and uncle and auntie. The final child of Italia and Carmine to mention is their oldest son, August Floyd Coppola, who is the father of one Nicolas Cage. August Floyd? August Floyd. I love that. Mm. Great. August. Mm -hmm. You on board? Yeah. Got a listener named August or used to. We do, yeah, yeah. Great name. Haven't heard from August for a while is why why you say we used to. (laughs) We don't know if August listens still or not and that's okay. Can I say August? Great name. Great month. Because, you know, the the overused months for names like May, May yeah. or, April. Or April, June, yeah. November. Yeah. Not enough October kids. Yeah. Oki. Oki. Novi. <laughs> Novi. Decky. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful names. <laughs> Febby. Febby. Because yeah, Matt can't say that. that. A, that's a nightmare name This is my kid. daughter, February. February. <laughs> Febby. Fuck. Well, Febby. 
Febby for short. So, Nick's dad, August Floyd, was an author and academic and had a PhD and was dean, the crusty old dean, at San Francisco State University. So, he went quite different from the rest of the family. Yes, yeah, so he, he did write some stuff too, but he was mostly an academic. Do you think you'd be a bit disappointed that his son, spoiler alert, went into acting as well? Showbiz. Yeah. Jess, don't get ahead here. Sorry, okay? I said spoiler alert. I'm talking about the famous academic Nicholas Cage, <laughs> professor. And his thesis, and I'm going to read it to you now. <laughs> So, with his wife, Joy Vogelsang, who was a – she's a great name, that's Nick's mum. Joy Vogelsang, who was a dancer and choreographer. He had Vogelsang up for grabs and he went for Cage. cage. He could have been Nick Vogelsang. Disappointing. Hmm. They had three sons. They've got DJ, Mark, the Cope, Coppola. Yuck. Nickname the Cope. Sorry, yuck. <laughs> Sorry, it keeps happening. Yuck. Sorry. <laughs> he still hosts radio shows. Oh, Jess is spewing up. <laughs> oh, he's a... He's a uh, it's like a, a disc jockey rather than DJ, a, yeah, a live yeah. party DJ. Yeah, yeah, so I heard that as they have DJ, that's one son, Mike the Cope Cope, and I was like, <laughs> oh... So, he's DJ. Yeah, no, that's fine for so a radio like it's, DJ. It's like, yep. it's like, you know, afternoons with the cope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it is like that. Yeah. Now that you know that he's, he's one, one of, of you. He's one of mine, one of my peers. <laughs> yeah, you're claiming him. Yes. That was a real 180. Yeah. Oh, no, wonderful. Love him. <laughs> Big fan. Uh, the middle son is Christopher, who's a film director. He's directed a few movies. I hadn't heard of any of them, but he's still in the biz. And the youngest boy was Nicholas. So, he comes from an incredibly prolific family. Mm. The lineal descendants of Carmine and Italia have been nominated for 23 Academy Awards winning nine Oscars in categories including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Original Screenplay, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Original Score. And two more family members, including Nick himself, married people that have also won Oscars. Wow. So, brought in uh, other Oscar-worthy blood into the family. Yeah. It's like a, a royal family. It's kind of amazing. Is there much inbreeding? <laughs> That's why they had to bring in outsiders. <laughs> yeah. So, Nick Cage was born in Long Beach in California in 1964. His family moved to San Francisco, where his dad was the dean, but came back to LA for Cage's high school years when he went to Beverly Hills High School. 90210. Did you know I had- I used that. I had to use a, for a the postcode VPN? for the- Yes. To, wa- to watch a recent episode of uh, a Brendan Fraser film, but it wasn't available here. So, so- Matt and I whacked on the US VPN so we could- uh, stream it from YouTube, but it said, "What is your US postcode?" The only one I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so good. I wouldn't even thought. I would have googled something. Damn it! Not a two one zero. Of course. I uh, couldn't believe it worked. Yeah, I was so stoked. So good. So Beverly Hills High School. It's a school with many notable alumni from the media and film industry. It's quite a famous school over there. At school, Cage became good friends with Crispin Glover. Ah, another actor known for his eccentricities. And Back to the Future. Let's call back to episode eight or something. Charlie's Angels for our generation. <laughs> That's how we know him. He's a creepy thin man. Okay? I just know him as the only man I've ever heard of being called Crispin. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds delicious. Yeah. Crispin. I think of crispy M&Ms. <laughs> well, past the, past the Crispin Glover. <laughs> he also had a famous appearance on Letterman where it was- Oh, did he have a meltdown? Or yeah, it was, it was a meltdown right. and it was sort of like- I think maybe Dave was in in on it a little bit, but right. it was pretty wild to watch. Incredible. So, Nick's uncle, Francis, <laughs> made The Godfather when Cage was eight years old. And according to the Washington Post, he grew up with envy in his adolescent years as he watched his cousins become very wealthy. 
Ah, uh, it's about the cash. And also the fact that his dad, that their dad was super duper famous. He said, My dad's just a crusty old dean. Just a crusty old dean. Nick himself said, I was always in these weird circumstances, like going to Beverly Hills High School, but living on the corner of Wilshire Boulevard and La Senega, and then basically having these football players throw their Porsches in my face and taking girls out on dates when I was riding the bus to school because my father thought it was such a good school. And it was. <laughs> okay. He he did later say that. I love it. He's like, it's he takes it as being thrown in his face. As people are getting around, going on dates, in my, throwing it in my, in my face. face. Driving a car, right in my face. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting really close. Everything, yeah, every, no matter what, it's about him. Yeah. Huh, look at this guy. Look at this guy driving his car just to get at me. Yeah. He's like, no, he's just driving a car. Oh, look at this woman walking her dog. Yes, a very nice dog right in my face. <laughs> Picking um, up that you shit are in my unbelievable, face. lady. <laughs> so that from that you kind of think, oh, maybe you know, girls aren't interested in him, and he's worried about that. He also said, "I took the most beautiful girl in the world to my prom. After kissing her, I was so excited, I threw up on her and the sidewalk. <laughs> I've never been able to forget that. I guess that she's never forgotten it either." <laughs> Threw up on her and the sidewalk because yeah. he was so nervous. Was, I so, get that. So, basically, I'm trying to paint. He was a really cool. Yeah. Yes. He's a cool he guy. He was a jock is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> Cage took his first acting lessons in both comedy and juggling. Yes. <laughs> his acting classes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm gonna, Mime juggling. Yeah. I'm not actually juggling. I'm only yeah. pretending, pretending to juggle. We can superimpose in the juggling yeah. balls later. <laughs> He was 14 and he took the lessons to pass the summer, but his real inspiration to pursue acting was seeing James Dean on screen. When he saw James Dean, that's when he knew that he wanted to be an actor. <laughs> the exact opposite of a crusty old Dean, am I right? <laughs> He's the a least, hot, hot young the Dean. The least crusty of all Deans, <laughs> yeah. James. <laughs> <laughs> Nick didn't last long at school. According to the Washington Post again, Cage quit in his junior year, miffed over getting only a tiny part in the school production of West Side Story. Yeah, that'll do it. He decided he'd go out and get real work. Mm. <laughs> Love that. You know, you're not good enough to get cast in the school plays. Like, I'll show these guys. Fine. I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to go ask my uncle for <laughs> yeah, a role. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go out alone. Okay, okay, fine. You don't think I'm good enough for this school play? Fine. I'm going to go be a huge star. Yeah, see you later. And I can do that easily and comfortably. Thank you, Frank. But the most embarrassing Frank, thing was- Uncle Frank, they won't let me be in the play. <laughs> Uncle Frank was directing the play. <laughs> oh, no. Brutal. Put him in. That, was, that one probably was right in his face, actually. <laughs> yeah, that one felt personal. <laughs> when he was 15 years old, whilst driving in the car with his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, who at this stage had already directed- Great actors including Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman and Robert De Niro. He said to his uncle at 15, give me a screen test. I'll show you acting. Yeah. Great. Uh, Cage said that he was met with silence. Fair. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I love that. And I say Cage- Francis Ford just leads down and turns up the volume on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) I say Cage, but at the time he was still known as Nicholas Coppola, which is what he was credited as in his first feature film role in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Released in 1982, it stars Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Judge Reinhold, one of the only few judges. It's Crispin and Judge really taking up their categories. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've I've seen that. I reckon at one point it's just like a like a 
early teen movie. Yeah, but quite uh, out there for the time. Right. In terms of them trying to hook up and stuff. Can you believe it? Scandalous. Oh, my God. Dave, I don't think we can talk about that on this podcast. Uh, Sorry, can we beep that in post? That's naughty. (laughs) Cage played a guy who didn't didn't do any of that, but they were just doing it in his His face. face. (laughs) The role he was born to play. Apparently, he was supposed to play a larger role, but because he was only 17, legally, he couldn't work as many hours as overage actors. So, his role had no lines in the end, and his character was billed as Brad's Bud. Nice. Nice. The young Nick Cage did not enjoy his time on the film. He said that he was basically bullied for being a Coppola by the others in the film. He said, quote, young actors at 16 can be very cruel. I worked with people like Eric Stoltz who would just not let up, you know, on Fast Times, hanging outside my trailer, constantly quoting lines from Apocalypse Now. Godfather, it was just like, come on, let me do my work. Get off my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me do my work. I'm 17. I'm 17. Okay. I've got to be a guy that flips burgers and has no lines. Yeah. Let yep. me concentrate. I'm Brad's bud. <laughs> right. Okay. Unless you're Brad, get out of my face. Get I'm trying to get in the head of Brad's bud. <laughs> He's an, it's another fast, uh, another Back to the Future guy, Eric Stoltz. He was the, the original Marty McFly. Ah. Oh, right. You'd remember yes, the story then, I told. Yeah, that he <laughs> about seven was years that ago. He wasn't. They didn't like him. He or just he, was so serious. He was like a yeah. method guy, and they they're like, it's it's just not working. They wanted. They always wanted. They always Michael wanted J. Mark J. Fox, but he wasn't available. And then and they'd filmed a bunch. So I reckon there's scenes in the movies like the back of yeah. Eric Stoltz's head or the, his Can arm I or something. Please get some praise for remembering that. Yes. <laughs> Good. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> you bailed so quickly on that. I would have been fine with that if you'd committed. Okay. <laughs> now it feels sarcastic. <laughs> hey, good girl. Good girl. Apparently, he told Wired that people like Stoltz and the others would say stuff like, and this is horrific bullying. I think They'd say things like, hey, Nick. Good morning, Nick. What? Nice to see you. All sorts of awful bullying in his face. They would say stuff like, I love the smell of Nicholas in the morning. (laughs) Awful, horrendous. How do they? The smell of napalm Napalm. from Apocalypse Now. But that's, I love the smell of Nicholas in the morning. Yeah, they, I'd be like, that's sort of embarrassing bullying, sort of, you know. Like, you guys are, it's like. Just beat me up. Yeah. You know, what is this? What is this? This is embarrassing, guys. Just Stop beat this. me up. Good one. Shove me in a locker or something. Come on. <laughs> he wouldn't have been the only- Like, isn't all Hollywood's, like, family connections yeah. as well? Yeah, let me look up who Eric Stoltz's parents are. Who's he got? Okay. All right. A violinist and school teacher. This is dad. All right. He's legit. Okay. <laughs> His mom was an Academy Award winner, but the dad was a violinist <laughs> and a school teacher, so- Oh, I love the, the smell of violins in the morning. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Well, that is ruthless bullying that I'm sorry he had to endure. And because of that, he decided to separate himself from the family name and rebranded as Nicholas Cage. Sure, but we still know who your family is. Yeah. But okay. Eric Stoltz, he was tricked. He was like, oh. <laughs> He's like, what? This is a different guy. <laughs> Hello, I'm Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Hello, nice to meet you. Nicholas Cage, was it? Fantastic name, Fantastic. by the way. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to work with you, colleague. <laughs> So, he named himself Cage in honour of avant-garde composer John Cage, whose most famous piece is called Four Minutes of Silence, 33 Seconds. 
Do you know this? Yeah. Which he composed in 1952 for any instrument or combination of instruments. And the score simply instructs performers to not play the instruments during the entire duration of the piece. That's so fun. They just stay silent for exactly four minutes and 33 seconds. Do people take that seriously at all? I mean, it's sort of infamous. I guess if you're the first one to do it, people go, all right. Because Tism released an album a couple of years ago that was... Full silence on both sides. <laughs> full album. sold out. The vinyl sold out real quick. A full album. Yeah. Love them. Uh, so, that's that's one half of his inspiration, he claims. The other Cage he named himself after is Luke Cage from Marvel Comics, a.k.a. Power Man. Oh, Whoa. okay. Interesting that Power Man hasn't quite made it into the cinematic <laughs> universe just yet. <laughs> but I think, Luke Cage, I think Luke Cage had a TV show. He had a yeah. TV show. Did he play Power Man in that? I'm not sure. But I think, don't you think when, once Man. you say it's named after two different Cages, it starts to feel like you're- You've picked the name and then are working backwards. Totally. Right? Reverse it's, engineering. Yeah. 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 yeah oh, and it's also about, also also, about um, uh, factory hens. <laughs> yeah. And about zoos. Yeah. Old The old school zoos and, and Zeus, my protest the of God, them. Zeus. Who yes. probably had a cage at one point. At one point. And my pet bird, Archie, who lived in a cage. Yes. <laughs> Archie Cage. <laughs> Not everyone was a fan of the name change. Nick's grandmother, Mamarella, thought he was being stupid. <laughs> Not disrespectful to the family, stupid. but stupid. stupid. Nicholas, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> that's very funny. I was sure you were going to say, you yeah. know, disrespecting the family and your heritage. You're being <laughs> stupid. Oh, Nicholas. That's so stupid. I'm embarrassed for you, you dummy. Oh, Thanks, dear. Nan. Can I have another piece of cake, please? Thanks, Mamarella. Oh, thanks, Can you Mamarella. teach me how to make pasta, please, Mamarella? His next film role came the very next year in 1983 when the man now known as Nicolas Cage played one of the two leads in Valley Girl. Loosely based on Romeo and Juliet, Cage starred opposite Deborah Foreman. It was a low-budget movie but became a box office hit. Oh. Huh. Made many times its budget back. Around the same time in 1983, Cage was introduced to a young aspiring musician named Johnny Depp who had moved to LA to pursue a career in music. Depp was applying for all sorts of jobs and Cage convinced him to give acting a try, introducing him to his agent and Depp was quickly cast in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, right in Nick Cage's face. (laughs) That's my manager that I introduced you Uh, to. uh, (laughs) So, there you go. A bit of uh, Hollywood history there. The same year Cage appeared in his uncle Francis Ford Coppola's film Rumblefish. You know that film? Which sadly was not a box office hit. Uh. Cage was in another one of his uncle's films the next year in 1984. So, we got a couple of jobs in with yeah, uh, Francis right. called The Cotton Club, which although not a commercial success was met with good reviews. Cage played a gangster called Mad Dog Dwyer and lived his character even offset, talking trash to everyone. And one day, he trashed his trailer, which people were not happy with. Hmm. Oh, what a mad dog. <laughs> One of the great nicknames, Mad Dog. Yeah. Mad Dog Dwyer. I think that was actually the the name of the the bad guy in Back to the Future Three. <laughs> really, I Mad think Dog. So, yeah. The connections to Back to the Future are incredible. <laughs> in this Mad episode. Dog Tanner. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Biff's uh, ancestor. Oh yeah. Wow. And off stage, Michael J. Fox was living and sleeping in a trailer. Yeah. So the connections are endless. <laughs> 
A film that was a commercial success and, as far as I'm aware, didn't involve any trailer trashing was 1986's Peggy Sue Got Married, also starring Cage and directed by his uncle Francis. So, it's three in a row. Cage plays Peggy Sue's husband and said he never wanted to play the role but was asked multiple times by his uncle. He only agreed to take part if he could play it in an over-the-top manner. Really? <laughs> Classic Cage. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, his uncle almost fired him when he refused to give up his high voice that sounded people have described as like being Po- like uh, sounding like Pokey from Gumby. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. What, what a turnaround in the power dynamics between those two. It starts with him going, let me test for you. And yeah. Francis Ford Coppola didn't even answer. And now he's going, please be in my movie. Please. And then he's like, please don't do that accent in my movie. <laughs> and then he hasn't worked with him since. So, oh, come on, Unc. It's really... <laughs> There's one like I haven't seen this movie, but I watched a few clips to hear this voice. And there's like an infamous sort of sex scene where, <laughs> like, he's making out with someone that like feeling him up, and he goes, "You mean my wang?" <laughs> it's just so incredible. And this is a hit film. Uh, yes, it was a commercial success. It was, but he hasn't worked with his uncle since. But. You know, you never say never again. Other movies of this early Cage era include Raising Arizona and Moonstruck with Cher, which was a huge box office hit. It won a bunch of Oscars, including the Best Actress for Cher. I haven't seen – I would like to watch Moonstruck. I say this every time we talk about anything and I never do, so. I haven't seen any of these apart from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. I haven't seen any of his Cage era films He's- so far. I think I've seen bits of Raising Arizona. I don't think I've watched the whole thing. That's a comedy, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Is that where he's he's got a kid called Arizona or he's like raising the state of Arizona to the ground? You got it the first time. Okay. <laughs> and it's a, an early Coen Brothers one. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I think one of them directs it. He next starred in the black comedy horror film Vampire's Kiss, where he took a surrealist approach to his acting and his performance was described as outrageously unbridled. Wow. It included chewing on a real cockroach. Why? Why, though? To shock the audience, Jess. Yeah, it could be a fake one and it would have the same effect for the audience. (laughs) Yeah, I'd assume it was a fake one. Yeah. According to the Washington Post, it was Cage's idea and he did two takes. Why? Again. He said, "Originally, originally I was supposed to eat raw eggs. I thought, well, but that's been done. We saw Stallone do that. I wanted to come up with something that would work with the vampire mythology and also create a visceral experience for the audience where it almost broke the fourth wall down and people would go, oh, man, that's really happening. <laughs> he no watched- one's doing that. No one's doing that. God, like, uh, people understand how movies work. Yeah, and it was like, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, does worse than that. Yeah. I guess that was a while ago, but doesn't is eating a cockroach shocking? Oh, I, I, would I watch go, the I scene. Watch There's a whole go, industry ugh. now, isn't there, where they're, they're trying to make that as an alternative to- Red oh, meat? Yeah. Is it cockroaches? I think so. Or crickets, maybe. Crickets. Some I, sort of bugs. Yeah. I would see somebody on in a film take a bite of a cockroach and I'd go, ugh. But I would assume it was a fake cockroach. Yeah. I think you would assume that with nearly any other actor. <laughs> True. <laughs> I reckon it should have been bigger. It needed to be like a possum or something. <laughs> <laughs> he bit the throat out of a possum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I needed it to yeah. be. Yeah. To get happy, to happy be now? shocked. That would make me have a visceral reaction. Yeah. <laughs> you'd what have to you'd have to film that in New Zealand. 
I think that would be a crime in Australia. <laughs> We're very protective of they our possums. They get away with anything. Over in New Zealand, Over they'd be Zealand. high-fiving him. Yeah. They'd be throwing him another one. He's a freshie. Over here, it'd have to be a cane toad. <laughs> he would be rushed to the hospital. <laughs> Apparently, he washed his mouth out with vodka before and after, and he still couldn't eat for three days. I couldn't sleep very well either, he says. Huh. So, why'd you do it? Is it more full on than I'm thinking? I... Hate cockroaches. They're one of my few th- yeah, really, really them. gross things. You mean people from New South Wales? Yes, and also uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like snakes either. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. No, I hate but you, them. You're, you're a farmer the cockroach. I don't, I don't you know. They're one? just like a little black bug, right? Or not a little bug, but they're, but they're you know like a couple inches big. long or something. Yeah, and they're, but they're kind of a symbol of dirty. I don't know if it's true, but you see yeah, them they as a gross survive. Thing. Yeah, they survive. You know, they'll survive a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, this one thing. survived a Nicholas Cage bit in half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's disgusting. It's actually yeah, it's it's lived on. It's had a lot of kids. They're big in the yeah. It's a real big empire in the um, Hollywood cockroach <laughs> fraternity. <laughs> So, he was in a bunch of movies in the early 90s. Honestly, I can't mention them all and I'm sorry if I miss your favourite because the man is so prolific. He's been in at least one feature film every year since 1986 and in some years he's done seven films. Wow. There's two years where he's done seven movies. What? In a Quality single- and quantity. Exactly. <laughs> and- if you're doing that many, statistically some are going to be duds but some are going to be great. Mm. So, that's actually quite smart. Yep. Rather than being one of those actors who's like, no, I wait for the perfect project and everything you do is really good. Okay, yeah. whatever. Hopefully. But if your one movie that year is bad. Your one movie that seven years. Yeah. yeah what, if you it, know? what if it's a bomb? Yeah. I reckon I reckon take the cage method. Mm. I would. Work yourself to the bone. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing seven feature films this year. Okay. What do we got? Ten months left? Let's do this. Easy. Uh-huh. Get me in there. So, he's doing a bunch of movies, but in 1995, he received critical acclaim for his role in Leaving Las Vegas, where he played Ben Sanderson, a down-and-out screenwriter who's taken himself to Vegas to drink himself to death. Cage received his first Academy Award nomination for Best Actor, which he won. <gasps> Whoa. He's an, he's an Academy Award winner. Whoa. Absolutely. No one can Whoa. ever take that away from him. And they've tried. So, he's like looking at his famous family being like, huh? I did it. Huh? Am I good enough for you now? I didn't even use the Coppola name exactly. to get here. I didn't, I didn't use any of those connections. No, not at all. Despite being in three of my very famous uncle's movies. Very early in, on. In a row. He beat his friend Sean Penn, who was nominated for Dead Man Walking, who he'd also co-starred with in a few early films. Cage said in his acceptance speech, which I watched, I know it's not hip to say it, but I just love acting. <laughs> that is hip. so unhip. That is so unhip. Most, oh, most people get no. up there and they say, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Hate acting. Play it really cool. I fell into this. That's so embarrassing. Actually, that's what Johnny Depp does. I wanted to be a musician. Yeah. I didn't know that about Johnny Depp. There you go. Hmm. So, he's won an Oscar, which is obviously almost the pinnacle for their industry, and no one can ever take that away from him. Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> is somebody going to try and take it away from him? <laughs> But I think we can all agree that Nick's supreme achievement in acting started the following year when in 1996, he started a run of near perfect films. <laughs> and when I say near, I mean so perfect they're perfect. I'm not sure if any other actor could compete with a run of three movies this good. I'd be interested to see if anyone can come up with a run of three movies from any other actor this good. 1996, The Rock. 
1997, Con Air. 1997, Face Off. Whoa, that's a big three. Three of my favourite all-time films, especially the first two. So, I'm going to talk about each of them now. Yeah, those first two are the same. They are two of the the absolute greats. I saw Con Air for the first time in ages last year again, and it was so good. I'm like, oh, my God, it holds up. It's so- I rewatched it for this too. I'm lolling hard. It's so fun. It's so fun. (laughs) Bloody love it. So, uh, I'm going to talk about each of them. First of all is The Rock, directed by visionary director Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. His second movie, co-starring Sean Connery, This Film Rules. Nick Cage later said he specifically took the role to prove wrong those who'd called him too quirky for a mainstream blockbuster. He's pretty quirky in it. <laughs> He's pretty quirky, okay? But it kind of works. Yeah, and when I say kind of, I mean it definitely works. <laughs> But he still put his mark on the role in the film he plays FBI chemical weapons specialist Dr. Stanley Goodspeed. Goodspeed. (laughs) Dr. Goodspeed. Who, along with Connery, must try and stop a group of rogue marines who have stolen chemical weapons and taken hostages on Alcatraz Island. I don't know how accurate it is to to real chemical weapons or whatever, but it's such a beautiful design, those grape-like things. little green balls. Yeah, so good. Beautiful. You know how this shit works? (laughs) (laughs) When he puts one in one of the the mercenary's mouth. (laughs) Yeah. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. I think I was on my phone. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm I'm allowed to experience things in different ways and I'm not shitting on it. Just saying I don't remember that exact bit. Please, go on. I was about to ask you to list other things you don't remember about it, but that would be impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you up to speed. Good speed. <laughs> Cage insisted on such eccentricities such as Goodspeed's aversion to swearing. Doesn't like to swear. And the early scene in which he sits naked in his apartment playing guitar. According to IMDb's trivia section, Nicolas Cage and Michael Bay differ as to the reason behind the early scene of why he's naked with the guitar. Bay says it's because he knew Cage wanted to show off his body. So they decided just to get it out of the way up front. (laughs) But Cage says he simply wanted to establish that the character was at home. (laughs) Yeah. As we're all naked at home. Yeah. Oh, Jess, we're in your home right now and- I'm naked. Mm-hmm. Correct. Thank you for coming to my home. <laughs> Dave and I are obviously not comfortable enough for that as well, it's you're not, not at our home. home. You're yeah. not at home. So, you're fully clothed, tuxedos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, naked I'm in my not, home. No. Glad you're a little bit covered with that big guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Cage <Ring>. also- <laughs> oh. oh. You're going to have a little strum there. <laughs> Sorry. Inspiration struck. (laughs) (laughs) He also ad-libbed the bulk of his lines, including the incredible- bulk of his lines? That's what it says. Wow. Including the line, how in the name of Zeus's butthole- <laughs> That's classic Cage. But it's so good. Which Michael Bay wanted to cut, but Cage demanded he keep. <laughs> oh, so he had a bit of creative control here. Yeah, had a lot of input. According to IMDb, Nicholas Cage was concerned that he, quote, looked like a little Japanese schoolboy, you know what that means, in his scuba gear, while the other actors all playing Navy SEALs looked super cool. I don't know why the ethnicity has to play a part. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Was it, I it- look like a Japanese schoolboy and you all look look cool. What are you talking about? That's what he said. <laughs> was it, yeah, was it his scuba gear made out to look like a school uniform? 
Well, Michael Bay later admitted that he intentionally wanted him to look ridiculous, but he, oh. do- he doesn't look like a schoolboy in any way. He no. just doesn't look as cool. He does look Japanese, though. Yes. <laughs> well, they're all Navy SEALs and he's like a, a you know, a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he's he- like a- he's slightly fish out of water who's- Yeah. Who has to rise to the occasion. Yeah. So, you can't look cool in every shot, Cage. No. He's- <laughs> but I looked cool when I was eating that cockroach, right? <laughs> when I was having a nude fiddle on the guitar. Most of the film is shot on Alcatraz Island in San Francisco. And I didn't know this, but as it's governed by the National Park Service, it was not possible to close down Alcatraz. And much of the filming had to accommodate tour parties milling around. Imagine looking over like your dad. Hey, there's Nick Cage. Yeah. A flaming motorcycle man. That's Nicholas Cage over there. The world premiere of the film also took place on Alcatraz. They set up a cinema screen in what was once the prisoner's exercise courtyard. Oh, that's kind of cool. 500 people were invited. Pretty cool. That's kind of sick. That's sick. According to the Disney fan club D23, Nicolas Cage summed up the event perfectly when he stated, it's a beautiful place to have a premiere, but this is really weird. Yeah. If it's weird for Cage. Yeah, yeah you've gone weird. too far. <laughs> then came Con Air, directed by Simon West in his directorial debut. Oh, my God. Wow. But he had done a bunch of commercials and Rick Astley's video for Never Gonna Give You Up. Well, so he was prolific. So, that's a training ground. Whoa, whoa, Never whoa. Never Gonna Give Joni directed Rick Astley to do those sort of like moves with his arms where he's sort of like gyrating in the air. What else does the director do if not direct your movements? Con Air co-starred John Malkovich, John Cusack, and of course, Steve Buscemi. This film rules. (laughs) In the movie, Cage plays Cameron Poe, a man who was about to be paroled from prison when the plane carrying him and other convicts is taken over by the inmates. Why are they on a plane? Why are they on the plane? They're being transferred to a new Supermax facility and on the way they're dropping off Nicholas Cage. Oh, I I see. But right. he doesn't he doesn't let on that he's he's uh not like them. Yeah, because what you have to understand, Jess, is he's gonna save the fucking day. Yep. Quote unquote. Okay, great. <laughs> and he did most of his own stunts. Wow. In a making of TV special, Cage said, Whether I wanted to or not, I did most of my own stunts in this movie. There were explosions five feet behind me, flaming helicopters dropping right behind me, ball bearing bullets over my head. So there was a level of intensity. Fear, you might say. Yeah, it's funny how much I didn't expect him to be sort of like so needy to <laughs> let people know he's cool. Mm. So I thought he was sort of like a bit weird and just sort of just sort of cool because he's a weirdo. But he sounds like in interviews he's like, actually, I yeah, I did some really cool things. Let me list them for you. <laughs> Pretty rad. What do you think? <laughs> He's just constantly leading in for a high five. Yeah, what do you yeah. Am I right? Up top, Am up I right? Down low, come on. Give me some praise. Was that, can I ask, was the mullet authentic? Was it real? I believe that was a real mullet. Oh, my God. Do you know that, that famous, he gets out of prison towards the start of the film and the sunshine hits his face and he's just taking it all in. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That is. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's a, some of the best that's a gif face that acting I've seen. Seen. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> I've seen that meme. God, he looks good. Such a great movie. I absolutely love it. Incredibly, production on Con Air ran late and overlapped with Face Off, so Cage immediately went off and started filming that. Back to back. Con Air and Face Off were released to cinemas in June 1997, within three weeks of one another. Wow. It's a busy time. Do they do that anymore when people are just like a lead actor in two blockbusters at the same time? Cage on Cage. Compete against each other? Amazing. Uh, Face Off was directed by John Woo. In the film, John Travolta plays an FBI agent who has a facial transplant surgery (laughs) to assume the identity of the criminal mastermind who murdered his only son and the face he adopts is 
Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Cage's character then has the surgery to look like John Travolta. So they're playing each other. Nicolas Cage and John Travolta spent two weeks together before filming to learn how to play each other. They decided on specific gestures and vocal cadences for each character that could be mimicked. It's absolutely batshit. This film rules. <laughs> According to IMDb again, the crew shot on Nicolas Cage's birthday. John Woo, the director, let Cage get emotionally charged up for a scene, then surprised him with a birthday cake. After Afterwards, Cage asked Wu not to do that again. <laughs> if we ever make a film on my birthday again. Don't ever do that next again. Next year, don't do that. Don't let me get emotionally charged <laughs> for a and scene. Then, and then everyone starts singing happy birthday. And then celebrate my day of birth. Mm. That's amazing. So, all three films came out very close to each other and they were all huge hits. The Rock grossed $335 million, Con Air did $225 and Face Off took in $245 million. Not bad for the mid-90s. But not everyone was on board. Sean Penn, who was an old friend of Cage's and had starred with him in a few films in the 80s and early 90s, thought Cage had sold out and famously declared, quote, Nick Cage is no longer an actor. He's more like a performer. <sighs> And to that, I say, fuck you, Sean Penn. He got an Oscar before you and you just couldn't handle it. Yeah, fuck off. Nick Cage responded in a 1999 interview. He said, a sellout. I've heard that word. It's only a sellout if you've been paid to do something you don't want to do. I want to make these movies. Yeah. Great. He also went on to say, after I shed my skin of wanting to be the rebellious, angst-ridden, broody actor, which I think is a very adolescent state of mind. Oh, that's so good. So good. (laughs) I realised I didn't- You'll grow up one day, Sean. Yeah, that's okay, little buddy. (laughs) He said, I realised I didn't have to be that guy to be cool. And suddenly, I enjoyed my life more. I became free. Mm. Which is a great response for that naming Sean Penn. I became free. I believe they've since made up, but it's very funny. And Sean Penn has won two Oscars. Damn it, he's in the lead now. Oh, spoiler. No more for KG Boy. Well, we'll find out. (laughs) Uh, The truth is it could have almost been four. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just did. (laughs) Trying to keep some suspense here. (laughs) Okay. The truth is it could have almost been four incredible action films in a row. I'm sure that Nick Mason mentioned it on our Superman episode, but around 1996, Nicolas Cage was due to star in Superman Lives, directed by Tim Burton, who had previously done the Batman movies. But just to quickly recap, because people would freak out if I didn't at least mention it, Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman, a comic book character he absolutely loves. Yes. Like, loves. Yes. Another comic book nerd, Kevin Smith, from... Jen Silent Bob and Mole Rats and Clerks wrote a script and then Wesley Strick, who wrote Batman Returns, was brought on to write a new one. So, the script written by some very acclaimed people. Despite millions being spent on sets, it was pulled by Warner Brothers just weeks before principal photography began. Years later, some footage and photos of Nicolas Cage in the Superman costume were revealed, leaving people to wonder what could have been. Oh, wow. they made a big mistake there. They absolutely did. Should have followed through. Imagine that. They were in the fourth film in that quadrilogy. I, I don't think... I've never... I don't know if I've ever watched a Superman film. For some reason, I just feel... I don't know. They, I think it's because he's so invincible and everything. I think I'm the same. It just doesn't really appeal to me, the character. Mm. He seems just a bit too buttoned up and invincible. Yeah, but... Um, but maybe I'd love it. Are you a Superman fan, No, Jess? I haven't watched a lot of Superman either. I think... Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But the, he ended up playing a, the Spider-Man noir guy in um, Into the Spider-Verse or whatever that yeah, was called. And he also, we got a glimpse of what could have been in 2018 when Cage voiced Superman in the animated film Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Oh, that's fun. So, he played Superman like a sort of a kid 
kids movie. Well, that's great. That's cute. And I've, I watched a clip of it on YouTube. He's just speaking like Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess could have worked. Yep, that makes sense. But people what were you just- expecting him to do? Hello, I'm <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I don't know. Put on his high voice again. Pokey. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, touch my wang. <laughs> I'll pop it away. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what, what I was expecting, but there you go. He finally, he got to v- at least voice the character. But Adam, have you seen the photos of him as Superman? No. With the long hair. He so looks good. awesome. Was he, was it the long hair because he was filming Con Air? It really could have been, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know if they were planning to have him have long hair or just because they had to ha- have him, you know, get into the suit. There's such a, like, a, a distinctive Clark Kent look through every movie clip or whatever that I've seen. Yeah. I used to actually, I did watch Lois and Clark on TV when I was a kid. Oh, there you go. So, that that's that was a bit of fun. Because there is the whole um, journalist Storyline as well, I guess. I should really give him a try. But it's, yeah, he look, <laughs> he's, looks like up. such an unlikely got a photo of Nick Superman. Cage in the suit. He's muscular. It's bright blue. That's, I don't know how like, I feel yeah, about It's that. like, you know, one of the 90s Batman muscle suit style. Yeah. yeah. It's different. <laughs> I love it. It would have, yeah, it would have been interesting. I, I definitely would have watched it. I feel like it would have been my first Superman feature <laughs> film to watch. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Yeah. Off screen, Nicolas Cage has been married five times, like all the great actors. Mm. Yeah, you got to collect them all. (laughs) (laughs) Collect those wives. Before his first marriage, he had a son with actor Christina Fulton. She lived with Cage for three years and said laughing in an interview, being with him is like being in a movie, a constantly surreal movie. If you're not on stage with him, go play somewhere else. I think he would be very difficult to live with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their son, Weston, is a 
now fully grown man himself has he's got two children huh. of his own. So Nick Cage is also a grandfather. There you go. That's nice. But Cage married his first wife, Patricia Arquette, in nineteen ninety five. She's one of the partners that went on to win an Oscar for the family's trophy cabinet. Mm-hmm. Ah, another big acting family. The Arquettes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She won it for Boyhood, I believe. Okay. So she wasn't I don't think they weren't married anymore, but still it counts. It counts. The pair met at Cantor's Deli, an LA hotspot that's been dishing out corned beef sandwiches to celebrities for years, apparently. All the celebs love a corned beef <laughs> corned sandwich. Beef. Danny Jr. goes wild for a corned he beef. He loves a corned beef. What do you have to do to beef to make it corn? I uh, it's it's not a nice looking process. Right. My really? mum used to make corned beef. Is corn silverside the same thing? Yeah. The same the phrase silverside makes me feel ill. Silverside, yeah. The only thing that makes me feel worse is I discovered a couple of years ago a product called Seafood Extender. What? Oh uh, yeah, I think a oh hamburger my. extender. Oh my god. Because I've been watching uh Yellowstone and yeah. in it there was uh, one of the characters said that they'd used hamburger extender to make this tuna thing and and her partner was like why don't you use the tuna extender <laughs> that would what a like, fun bit of dialogue it sounds like there's so many different kinds of extenders what are, over what's there. an extender i'm looking up seafood extender it's um made from inexpensive fish typically pollock or hake pounded into a thick paste then shaped and cooked so it's just making it so you you've got more seafood it's it's quite cheap but it just sounds oh, yeah, i think yeah. it's the name's the worst yeah, bit of so it that's like corn silver side it just sounds horrible yeah extender seafood extender it just makes you think it's all the bits that they didn't want to do it's, anything else with it's like i uh, get so you get a, a good bit of fish but you want to make it last a bit longer yeah, or like, something we've got to make this stew Mix a bit it with some terrible fish yeah you're sort of watering it down yeah with fish with fish <laughs> Oh, you're Fishing filling it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yuck. Sorry to share that with everyone. I haven't had corned beef I, in a I very imagine long time. in America that is just a standard thing, though, that is is uh, everyone would have all the time. Right. And, I, like, that that would be weird to Americans that it sounds gross, I betcha. Right. Just the, it's just extender. Yeah. The word, something about it. Because if it was just called, like, minced fish, <laughs> which is, you know, sort of what it probably is. Yeah. Fish paste even isn't, I mean, it's not great, but that's probably better. It's better than seafood better. extender, for sure. Yeah. So, they met at this deli with the corned beef sandwiches. The 23-year-old Cage reportedly proposed to the 18-year-old Arquette within hours of meeting her. Yeah. He said- That's happened to me. For real? When people have met me. Yeah. (laughs) At the corned beef sandwich shop? Yeah. Have you When they've proposed within hours. No. Never accepted. Never accepted. Jeez, you're a bitch. She said no, and Matt just couldn't get over it. <laughs> Why would you bring it up on the podcast? She no, says, come on. "Come on, it was years ago." And just Let to, it go. I love that you're like. And just to confirm, what did you say? Was it yes or no? <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> I mean, whoever it was, they went to all that effort to ask a question. Yeah. The least you could do is marry them. That's true. I well, feel bad. I th- I th- she said no, but Nick had a bit of a strange response. He said, "Give me a quest." Okay. I guess to, like, prove himself or something. Yeah. Patricia thought he was joking and gave him a list of all these things to find. On the list was a black orchid from the jungles of Peru, an autograph from the famously reclusive author of Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger, a wedding dress from the Lisu tribe in Southeast Asia, and a Bob's Big Boy statue from a fast food place. She didn't think that 
Nick Cage would actually do it. But he started trying to get the things. The first was a J.D. Salinger autograph, which he turned up at her house with the next day. Wow. Very rare. That would be worth a lot of money. Was he alive? Did he go, go around to his place to get it or? He didn't say how he got it. He was alive at the time, but I don't think that he was giving them out. He may have gone to an autograph shop or something and paid a ridiculous mm. amount for it. I don't Forgery. know. Awful. Yeah, I mean, how hard could it be? Hard, I mean, this, I can write down this, JD Salinger. There's so few. I'm not even going to look up how to spell Salinger. I'll just yeah. do it. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, you do the S and then sort of a comes squiggle. a squiggle. Yeah, JD, yes, squiggle. Mm. Somewhere yeah. in there, I guess. Yeah. It's not a J, I don't think. <laughs> a few loops. <laughs> there you go. Four million dollars, please. Yeah. Done. So, oh, I'm actually going to be rich. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you have this certificate of authenticity, which you also forged. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> Why can't he just forge that too? I mean, in for a penny. Yeah. Forge it all forge sorts it all. of stuff. In fact, I'll forge the check that you gave me to pay for this. Easy. Done. So, that was day one. Day two, he returned with a flower and a can of spray paint representing the black orchid. Okay. Well, that's killed a flower. She said, I peeked out the window and there he is with a purple orchid and a black spray paint can and he's just spraying it. Why do it before you get there, mate. <laughs> yeah, don't. I think you're you busted just, now. You're getting black spray paint all over her driveway now. <laughs> it's all over her car. <laughs> Why have you done that? All over her and the sidewalk. <laughs> he's got form, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> she soon stopped him because they were supposed to get married when he was done and it looked like the madman might actually follow through and try and do all the tasks. Eventually, the pair were married many years later in 1995. According to Rolling Stone, they married two weeks after Arquette called cage on the phone and said i'm ready to get married now at that point they hadn't seen each other in eight years there's just something about the guy that's yeah that's an interesting way of doing it yeah he obviously uh treats marriage as a you know sacred bond yes they reportedly separated after nine months of marriage that's according to hello magazine however they continued to appear together in public and didn't officially finalize the divorce until 2001 and he sounds like he would have been a nightmare to deal with back then something he acknowledged in a 1999 interview with rolling stone saying quote back then i was living out my fantasies of what i thought an exciting man should be i wanted to be unpredictable (laughs) and frightening i jumped out from around (laughs) corners and (laughs) spooked her boo (laughs) patricia boo Hey, Patricia, look over here. Yes? Boo. Boo. Got ya. Thrilling. I'm an exciting man. I'm an exciting man. You're lucky to be wed to me. <laughs> Is this your car? <laughs> <laughs> Can oh, you just he, do the dishes, Nick, please? He could have brought his juggling back. Yeah. <laughs> he's, act, he's mime juggling. Ooh, these are chainsaws. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I wanted to be predictable and frightening, and I guess I was. I mean, Patricia says at the time, I was pure testosterone. Ugh. I can't really imagine myself getting that angry now. I haven't punched a wall in years, so I don't really know what happened. I mean... Here Cage halts for a moment of seemingly sincere self-inquiry. Should I be punching walls? Cage, no, you shouldn't be. No. Yeah, that one. Is that you or the interviewer saying that? No, that's me answering him. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it makes you think like, should I be punching walls? (laughs) Help me, somebody. That's such a profound moment for him. Is that what's going wrong with my life? Huh. It all fell apart once I stopped punching walls. What did the wall do though? What Hmm. didn't the wall do? (laughs) Jeez, that does make you think. How did the wall let me down? So I think it would have been uh, very hard to live with at that time. Yeah. Cage's second wife was Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of Elvis and Priscilla. 
They married in Hawaii on August 10, 2002, and filed for divorce 107 days later on November 25, 2002. Cage was a big fan of her father, Elvis, and based his performance in the David Lynch film Wild at Heart on The King, and they married almost exactly, it's only a few days apart, 25 years after her father died. Uh. Not sure if you planned that, but... Do you reckon he planned to marry almost exactly 25 <laughs> years after he died? <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of thing he'd probably do. <laughs> you say it like you don't believe it, but I do. Yeah, right. I do. But why wouldn't he have done it 25 years exactly then? Probably wasn't a Saturday. You're not going to get your friends out on a Wednesday. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of All guy. All your Hollywood definitely... friends with their nine to fives. <laughs> yeah. Cade said they both came from very famous families and that's what connected them. Oh, she's a Presley. I'm a Cage Coppola. I think you need a bit more than that. That's enough for me. He said they had a habit of breaking up and then getting back together. One time, she apparently threw his $65,000 engagement ring off a yacht. $65,000. Fuck you. And she threw it off a yacht. He hired divers to search for it, but apparently it was lost. Oh, no, they found it. They definitely found it, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't find anything down there. What's in my mouth? (laughs) (laughs) I have to go. I've recently bought a boat. (laughs) For (laughs) $64,999. That would have told him to keep the change. <laughs> Phil, that would, it's wild that he even attempted it. Like, I imagine on the, in the ocean, a tiny little ring yeah. would be pretty hard to find. It'd be so hard. Tiny little ring for $65,000, please. That thing, that rock is sinking <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean instantly. Yep. That ring inspired one of his biggest hit films, Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I have read that in the years after their divorce, him and Lisa Marie became friends. So oh, in the years after they were married. Yeah, good. That's the right sort of timing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you meet someone and marry them straight away, you're like, oh, maybe we should have got to know each other we first. Have, we They're didn't have time it, to be friends. Work it out in reverse. Cage married his third wife, Alice Kim, in 2004, and together they have a son named Kel L, which is <gasps> Superman's birth name on his home planet of Krypton. Mm. That is a brutal burden to give a child. Kel L Cage. I imagine Kel L goes by a different name if he's still alive. I, I don't know if, if you just call him Kel. Or Kel if, Cage. But he gets bullied on his film sets. I love the smell of Kel L in the morning. <laughs> that, that one works. <laughs> I like that one. Kal-El. Yeah, so Keller, I told you he was a fan of Superman. Maybe too much. I would have called him Superman Cage. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Kal-El middle name. Superman Kal-El Cage. That's it. Lex Luthor Kal-El Cage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Little... I thought that was first name. <laughs> was beautiful. Comic book Cage. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they're going to call him a nerd? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? So- his third wife, Alice, he met working as a waitress at a cocktail bar. No, actually, it was at a restaurant, but I uh, thought it was funny to say she working, was waitress working at a cocktail bar. Yeah. Waitress at, at a cocktail bar. That much at is a true. Bar. I'm afraid it was a restaurant. They remained married until 2015. So, 11 years. That's his longest marriage. In March 2019, Cage married his fourth wife, makeup artist Erica Coik. This is in 2019. This 2019. is his fourth wife, and he's had five. Yeah. Okay. They married in Las Vegas again, only to file for annulment four days later. Right. So, that's his shortest marriage. Okay. The divorce came through three months later. Four days. Four days before you- Don't get married. 
I know. Then in Feb 2021. Nah, fuck it. Do whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Well, he's gone again. Feb 2021. Nick Cage married his fifth and current wife at the time of recording. Rico Shibata again marrying. Oh, my in- God. Rico Shabata. That's, That's a great so name. Wow. Again, marrying in Vegas. Their daughter, August Francesca, was born in September 2022. Oh, wow. So, is that another August or is that the same August that you mentioned before? No, the August was his dad. No, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I mean. Is this oh. the same? Is the dad his daughter? Yes, <laughs> yes, that is his dad. It's a, it is a complicated, it's a complicated family. Complicated tree, family. Isn't it? Uh, we just don't understand Hollywood families. Mm. So that's named after his. That's named after, and I get the baby, and I guess Fran- <laughs> Francesca named after. Yeah, Francis. It's the name of the family, I guess. That's nice. So, so really set her up to be a nepo baby. August Francesca. So, how Cage. old is Nicolas Cage? He is sixty. What is he, 66? How old is he? And his swimmer's still got it. He's still got it. He'll never stop. (laughs) He'll never stop. Oh, sorry. He's not that old. He's 59. Sorry, Ron. Oh, really? But- I thought he was older. Okay. 59. He's got three kids. Three kids in total. And two grandchildren. So, good for him. But back to the movies, everyone. The stuff we're really here to talk about. Cage made a bunch of other films in the 90s and 2000s that were hits. Gone in 60 seconds. Yep. Adaptation where he got another Oscar nomination. World Trade Center and the National Treasure films that I hadn't seen until last week. And everyone told me I would love them. And they were absolutely right. <laughs> Those films rule. Yeah, that felt right up your alley. I am a little surprised you hadn't seen I that one. I got to them. But yeah. in my marathon over the last uh, two weeks, I included both of those. It sounds After. like the mummy with Nicolas Cage sort of. Is that yeah. kind of the vibe? It was, it's so good. But it's, you know, set in more recent times. But right. so good. So I good. haven't seen him either. I'd, I'll watch that. Oh, yeah. I love, love a them. romp. Mm. Yeah, they're just good fun. Yeah. A few puzzles in there, Matt. You're a fan of puzzles you and movies. You puzzles. love puzzles. <laughs> Interactive, they like, pause the movie and you get to do a puzzle. <laughs> I, all right, here's 20 seconds to solve this puzzle. Can <laughs> you do it? Like the old Where's Wally cartoons. Yeah. Where is he? Can you find him? Time's almost up. Can you see him, huh? <laughs> a wet Wally. A wet. A wet Wally. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I love the- that. Just unlocked something in my brain. Yeah, I love those where, cartoons so where, much. Where's Wally? Where? 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 Where's Wally? Where's Wally? Yeah. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Man, I love that one. There's, there were a couple of episodes in particular that I really remember and just absolutely loved. Where's Wally? Has anyone suggested that for a topic? I don't think so. It's got to be in the hat somewhere. Surely. It's, it's huge. Good luck for Anya. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That That's is good, good stuff. stuff. He also, this is Nick Cage again, not Wally, made his directorial <laughs> debut in 2002, directing a film called Sunny, starring James Franco. It was not well received. However, Tommy Wiseau, visionary creator of The Room, yeah. was a big fan of the movie, and Franco's performance in it gave Wiseau faith in Franco's ability to portray him respectfully ah. in the film The Disaster Artist. Oh, He's like- Important movie then. It's great. If he gets the Tommy Wiseau seal of approval, you know what's good stuff. Yeah. Cage was also in the Ghost Rider films, where he was annoyed that- no one believed his abs were real. <laughs> God, he's weird. <laughs> Did your dad see the abs? Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing dad mentions. And were they great? I saw, I saw Nicolas Cage's abs on his body, on of his course. Body. They didn't even look real. They were incredible. I haven't seen Ghost Rider. I'd nah. like to, but I did look up the image of- I typed in Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider abs and they are something. They're quite something. 
He was also in The Wicker Man where he yelled about the bees. <laughs> the bees. The, the bees. <laughs> which apparently he's come out and said, because that's become a real joke. The film didn't do that well and it's become memed. People laugh at it. He's come out since and said, me and the director were in on the joke. Right. We knew it was funny. Yeah, yeah. No, you I don't didn't. Know Tony Martin uses it a lot in in his podcast. Not the bees. <laughs> the bees. Any, any like, they'll work up to any reference to bees or honey or something and then play that clip. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So, naturally, being a big-time actor in leading roles and hit films, he made a lot of money. For a while there, he was one of Hollywood's biggest stars, most bankable actors, and commanded up to $20 million per film. Wow. And he was in a lot of movies, remember. In 2009, Forbes estimated that he made $40 million US that year alone. The problem was he made a ridiculous amount of money, yes, but he spent an even larger and even more (laughs) ridiculous amount of money. It's estimated that he blew through a $150 million plus fortune and then found himself owing the IRS millions in federal income tax. And you're thinking, how could he possibly spend that much money? (laughs) Well, these are some of the things that he bought. Okay. Starting with a Gulf Stream jet that he was advised against purchasing by everyone. <laughs> he bought it anyway. <laughs> I'm Nick Cage. I need a jet. Wait, so what? what's a Gulf Stream jet? Just like a, a private plane. Private sort of plane. One of those. It goes very fast. What's a Gulf Stream? Let me go. Cost. And it's got a, a nine hole golf course inside of it. They cost between- 18. 18. Ooh. Right now, between 21 million and 59 million Easy. US. One to two films. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Well, up to three films. Easy. It's good to save for these things. <laughs> Is it G6? That's a Gulfstream. Is that the one that they sing about in rap videos? <laughs> <laughs> like, where's Wally? Did you see him, huh? 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 In rap videos. Let me hear you. He also spent $192,000 on an octopus. Sure. He told the LA Times he found the creature restful. Mm. What does that mean? I, I find just, this octopus to be restful. Like looking at it swimming around maybe? Like it know. was calming or something? Yeah. Restful. Restful. I don't but, think that, nah. He used it as a body pillow to get to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Octopuses have memory foam in their <laughs> tentacles. Very supportive. I would agree maybe with jellyfish. I don't know if you've been to the Melbourne Aquarium lately, but they've got this whole sort of like section around jellyfish and they're like in this sort of mood lighting and it's sort of dark but neon and they kind of hypnotize you. Yeah, right. And then they sting you. Yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Won't be falling for that again. Uh, he owned a lot of strange animals. He had two albino king cobras that cost $276,000 as well as an antidote serum on the wall so that if you got bit by a snake, you could save yourself. They kept trying to attack him and then his neighbours complained when they heard him talking about owning the venomous snakes on Letterman and then he had to give them up. Huh. They're like, hey, I live next door to that guy. <laughs> I don't want him owning two snakes. He's crazy. Yeah. Other exotic animals owned by Cage include a shark, a talking crow, and a two-headed snake. Okay. Which he said he had to feed at the same time, and he had to keep them apart with a stick because they would attack each other to try and get the food. (laughs) I heard him talking about it in an interview. I think it's um, Fallon asked him, was like, how do you get a two-headed snake? Like, do people just come to you with that? And he goes, yeah, people just call me, used to call me up with stuff and go, hey, I've got a two-headed snake. They call my agent and say, I've got a two-headed snake. Would Nick be interested? And he was like, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> so, he just buys shit. 
He had uh, Action Comics number one that first introduced Superman, mm. which was we've talked about before. It was famously stolen, and then he got the insurance money, and then it came back. And I'm not sure if he had to pay that back, but he he actually sold that for a profit. So that we can put that in the the pro column. That's clever. He had a huge comic book collection. He spent two hundred seventy six thousand dollars on a dinosaur skull, which he won in a bidding war with Leonardo DiCaprio. Fucking hell! Only to find out it was stolen, and he returned it to Mongolia, where it came from. He never got his money back he said so somebody at the auction house should be in jail whoa <laughs> so he just lost that money that's such a you wouldn't you stop yourself and go hang on what am i doing but yeah no i, I I'm guess i'm in a bidding war over a over a dinosaur, dinosaur skull, skull with leonardo dicaprio what is their life yeah. I mean, I think I think money was meaningless until they said, actually, this money means something and you <laughs> owe a lot of it. Yeah. And this is all beyond the time where he was he was he didn't want to be a crazy guy anymore. <laughs> this is when he'd settled down. <laughs> this is the settled down. Yeah. 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 I've just got a two-headed snake he, so and he, a talking crow. <laughs> a snake's got two heads. <laughs> what do you need for a two-headed snake? You need not two one. Two little hats. <laughs> okay. But they need to live somewhere. Do they need matching hats or do they need different hats? Because uh, I know like twins often are frustrated when people sort of, you know, refer to them as one unit. Yeah. So maybe you would want to encourage them. I'm different. Yeah, to, to create their own sort of, you know, find their own interests and personalities and acknowledge that <laughs> you see them as two individuals. So I think one would have a little cowboy hat and the mm. other maybe a like a – I'm thinking like a headband with a unicorn thing on it. I like horn. it. That's mm. what I'm thinking, but I'm open to other hat ideas. Yeah, no, I think I think you've nailed it in one there. Just just by the vibe of those yeah. two I, individuals who share a body. The third option I would posit would be one of those hats with the little propeller on the top. Oh, shit, that'd be cute. Spin around a little yeah. on, a, on a snake. I do like those. Mm. Yeah, maybe like a little, little tiny little one. Yeah, and it goes yeah. in the wind. I think so. Which one? Are we, I think we're replacing the unicorn horn. I think that's for a party, I reckon. But like, you need to be sun smart for this snake. Yeah. Obviously, they hate the sun snakes. <laughs> they hate it. So yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad we figured you that out. Just killed that snake. <laughs> <laughs> I killed half that snake. Okay? It's still a one-headed snake. Usually, that's enough. What's yeah. the problem? Why are people complaining? Not for Nick. <laughs> Not for Nick. Get out of here, you one-headed snake. So two-headed snake. He bought not one but two. $10 million plus castles in Europe. Why? One in Germany and one which was Midford Castle in Somerset. Somerset. It's just nice to have. Yeah. Two $10 million castles. That's why I got them. Just nice to have. <laughs> nice to have. Nice to know they're there. Nice to tell people you've got. Do you visit? No. Do you summer in the castle? No, mm. but I do spend a lot on its upkeep. <laughs> you are exactly right. This is what Nick Cage did as well. He spent even more renovating them and apparently never spent a single night in either of them. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing then? You got two castles. What else do you need? You need two yachts. Yeah, no, that one makes more sense. One called Weston and one called Sarita. He named one after his son or named yeah. his son after the boat? <laughs> I don't know which came first. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the Sarita cost $20 million and had 12 master bedrooms. you got to pick a master. Yeah. I don't- Yeah, isn't a master- You can't have multiple masters. No. Well, I don't think so. 12 I mean, master does, bedrooms. Does that boat have one or 12 captains? What does it mean to be a master bedroom? Yeah. How can they all be master bedroom? I don't think they can. Are they all the same size with an ensuite and a yeah, walk-in robe? Each room is better than the last. You're like, oh, that must be the master. Oh, this must- No, this- Oh, my God, this- wow. This is the master! That's too much. And you're pointing at Nicolas Cage when you say that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And he likes that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the master. Thank you, yes. He had 50 cars. 
including a fleet of nine Rolls Royces. I think most Rolls Royces, they cost like a million bucks. Crazy. As well as Lamborghinis, Bentleys, and Ferraris. According to How Stuff Works, at one point, he was reportedly buying one luxury vehicle a month and had even employed a full-time mechanic just to service them all. But you can't possibly be using them all enough that they need regular servicing. You could drive a different car every week. Yeah. That's fucked. It's too many, Nick. It's too much. I should point out, he's also given quite a bit to charity. It's not heaps compared to everything else, but he donated $1 million for disaster relief after Hurricane Katrina and another time gave $2 million to Amnesty International. Sure, but he makes 20 mil... (laughs) Per film. Okay, now nah, I'm changing my tone here because you know what? You know why I'm getting angry? It's because I'm thinking of like the maintenance and how overwhelmed I would be owning two castles and 50 cars. <laughs> but if he's handling it, hell yeah, <laughs> go off, King. <laughs> what he was I hand- think he's really just showing it to those jocks who yeah. are driving their Porsches around. <laughs> yeah. In yep. his face. In his face. You're in my face. Well, now I've got nine Rolls Royces. In your face. Huh? And they're like, I don't remember going to school with you. (laughs) (laughs) In your face. He had not one but two islands in the Bahamas. Sure, yes. He does everything in twos. Yeah. Mm. He's a bloody modern day Noah. (laughs) Two by two. I love that one, that one, those islands. Apparently one cost at least seven million bucks. Is that it? For an island. Yeah, didn't... What was the thing he paid $10 million for? A castle. castle. And he paid $20 million for a, a yacht. What's that about a floating island? Yeah. How does a that yacht cost cheap more for than an island. an island? I guess an island could be anything. Yeah, it was the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> okay. A beautiful island. Mm, I can I can dine on that plate anytime I want. Gorgeous. Just swims up to his island. There's a chef there with a cloche, or whatever they're called. <laughs> Covering his island. <laughs> Dinner is served. Your island is served. In 2007, he bought 1800 serial killer Delphine LaLaurie's house in New Orleans that he described as the most haunted house in America. He later said, I bought it in 2007, figuring it would be a good place in which to write the great American horror novel. Sure. I didn't get too far with the novel. <laughs> <laughs> He bought a house to write a novel in. Step one, buy the house to write The perfect house to write the novel in. I'll do step two later. (laughs) I didn't get that far. That's so funny. (laughs) In New Orleans, he also purchased two plots in the St. Louis Cemetery, home to the grave of previous report topic Marie Laveau. Ah, yes. Yes, I'm sure I've been to that graveyard. The Voodoo Queen of New Orleans. Yeah. Would you you would remember if you had seen this? I think you have to you can only see his plots with a, a tour. They've got to take you to him. But you can do that. On top of the plots, he has put a nine foot tall white pyramid. I think you could probably see that without being <laughs> from, on the tour, I reckon. Space. Yeah, I remember there was like a, people were talking about, oh, you're gonna go see, you know, stand at the hostel there. It's a thing that people were going to see. I'm like, all right, we'll go see. All right. That. And you saw it. I'm sure I did. But you say you would remember, but give me some, yeah, give me a break. There was an Irish pub, Dave. Yeah, that's right. Did you see it from the pub? No, there was. I was there. It was Halloween week, so I was oh. down on the. You know, they they just have pub crawls everywhere, drinking on the streets. You can take drinks from bar to bar. Right. So you, the world was your Irish pub. Yeah. <laughs> the cemetery <laughs> became your pub. So it's a nine foot tall white pyramid with the inscription "Omnia ab uno," which translates from Latin to everything from one. That's nice. So everyone knows he owns it right, but it doesn't say his name or anything on it and he refuses to speak about it in interviews. So it's a bit mysterious if he plans to 
put himself there or bury someone else there. <laughs> no one knows. That's so strange. It's also pretty funny. Like cemeteries are, are very interesting places, like a lot of history and a lot of interesting stories and stuff come out of there. But it's pretty funny to be like on it, paid to go on a tour to see a plot that Nicolas Cage is still alive <laughs> owns and yes. may one day be buried here, yeah, maybe. And when you look it up, it's one of those ones where, like, you know, Oscar Wilde's one in Dublin, it's covered in kisses. People who kissed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, well, the Oscar Wilde one, it kind of makes sense. He's there. Yeah. But this is- He's not there. Nicholas Cage isn't there. He just, just owns a, that. This is just a white pyramid in a cemetery and people kiss it. That's so For funny. good luck, I guess. We're getting to the end of his purchases, but he, he owned an $18 million Bel Air home previously owned by Dean Martin and also Tom Jones at different times. Whoa. It's not unusual. Also a mansion in Las Vegas, another in Rhode Island, apparently also a chalet in Aspen, Colorado, and homes in San Francisco, New York, Newport Beach, and Venice Beach. All up, he owned 15 homes around the world, of which he said, I had to put the money somewhere, and I was a big believer in real estate. And I got caught up in that bubble that exploded. I thought it was real. I didn't trust stocks and I didn't just trust leaving it all at the bank. I believed in real estate. So now I'm working through all that. Right. There's no way they all just tanked in value completely. Yeah. No, where did that where was when did the bubble burst? Well, around the GFC 2008 in America things oh, right. did go down a lot actually. They've been saying like they've been talking about that in Australia for so long. Yeah, but I think in America there was lots of Lots of foreclosures, which maybe did push the market down. But, you know, did your bah- island of the Bahamas drop that much? Yeah, yeah, yeah the castles. <laughs> well, he did. He lost his fortune. That's basically what happened. Having to sell a lot of the houses and cars and other exotic purchases. And he worked harder than ever to pay off his debt. A lot of the films weren't widely released or big budget movies, but he did a lot. And in th- this is the time when he was doing seven films a year. In the 2010s, he made 29 direct-to-DVD or limited release movies. Whoa. Cage was criticised for some of these roles, but he defended himself. He said, When I was doing four movies a year, back to back, I still had to find something in them to be able to give it my all. They didn't work, all of them. Some of them were terrific, like Mandy, but some of them didn't work. But I never phoned it in. So, if there was a misconception, it was that, that I was just doing it and not caring. I was caring. Yeah, that that was definitely the the, the you know the idea that he was he was doing a pay off debts and he was phoning them all in. But, yeah, it's interesting that he, he wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, he says, I still gave it my all every was time. He, by doing so many movies and so many of them direct to DVD, was that also like hurting his asking price? So, in the end, meaning he has to do way more movies to get back to just having $20 million a year yeah, or whatever? He basically said that the phone stopped ringing for the bigger budget movies. And I guess part of that might be because it's like, man, you're in eight movies this month. Yeah, We can't yeah. have you in our big movie. So... Mm. But he never stopped working, and in 2020, he revealed that he'd paid off all his debts. Oh, so, good he, news. he did lots and lots of movies, but, you know, he put the money back into paying off those debts. And now I love it when millionaires um, get through tough times like that. Back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sell, it's the, nice. sell their two-headed snake and their octopus, yeah. their it's, shark tank. It's really inspiring. Well, since then, the actor has made a resurgence, starring in critically acclaimed films like Pig, which he called his favourite film he's ever done. Wow. Yeah. And the unbearable weight of massive talent where he plays a fictionalized version of himself. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. I should should check it out. I watched it in my cageathon. It's good fun. My cageathon. I think I'm gonna start offering that as advice to friends who hit hard times. It's like just do more movies. <laughs> Sell your octopus. Yeah. And do you like okay, sit down, I've got I'm gonna give you that the hard truth. Yeah. You gotta sell that octopus. I'm sorry, it's gotta go. And you the gotta castles. Sell- 
one head of the two-headed snakes at minimum. Yeah. One of each. Get rid of one of the castles, one of the yachts. Yeah. And just do more films. Move more films. And you'll get yourself out of this surprisingly quick. Mm. Mm. It's That's why you buy two, though. So, that way, if you <laughs> fall on tough times, you can sell one and still have one. you yeah. got a spare. That's why you have two kids. <laughs> yeah. Second ones are always shitter. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, no. actually hurts. Does it? Yeah. It hurts all, hurt hurt yeah. all of us. Yeah. Hurts because it's true. Yeah. In 2022, Nick Cage said, I'm just going to focus on being extremely selective, as selective as I can be. I would like to make every movie as if it were my last. So maybe doing seven films in a year is, is behind him. Right now, he's slated to play Count Dracula in Reinfeld, a film released later this year. That feels right. Yeah, that makes that sense. That feels right. That's yeah. a role he was born to play. He won't even have to act. No. So in many ways, Nick Cage is back on top. Although some would say... He never went away. After all, he's been in over 100 films. What? The majority of which he played the lead. Wow. It is that kind is of amazing. Wild. That's so many films. It's so many films. That sort of rivals like some of the early Hollywood films. You know, they they would they were prolific. Oh, but movies on- were like half an hour. And they know? were like on a contract to do that. Totally, he's yeah. chosen to do this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he's giving every role everything he's got. Everything. Wow. Every when does time. he have a holiday? Well, that's why he can't visit the islands of the Bahamas. Mm. He's always working too yeah, Exactly. Hard. Why did you have all these houses? You can't possibly go to them, Nick. No. Why not? Well, he explained that he didn't trust banks and he didn't trust stocks, Dave. Did you not even listen to what you were saying? He I believed in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> but he should have said, he should have <laughs> set some of the films in the castles. I love that. I believed in real estate. I also believed in octopuses. <laughs> yeah. I also believed in super yachts, Gulfstream jets that Comic people told books, me not to buy. Which yeah. was right because he sold that one at, at a profit. Yeah. yeah. The one savvy thing he did, which he probably only did because it was stolen and then <laughs> it came back to him and it had been years and it had gone up in value. But to finish, I thought I would read what I've written here as batshit stories about Nick Cage that I couldn't fit elsewhere in the report. Great. Love standalone batshit Starting stories. With, he was once stalked by a mime. <laughs> <laughs> Just the best headline ever. Jeez, the mimes would be the best stalkers too. <laughs> So, in 2009, whilst filming the Martin Scorsese thriller Bringing Out the Dead, where he plays a paramedic, he was stalked by a mime artist. He told Parade Magazine in 2009, I guess it would fall into the stalker category, more or less. I was being stalked by a mime. Silent, but maybe deadly. Somehow, this mime would appear on the set of Bringing Out the Dead and start doing strange things. I have no idea how it got past security. Finally, the producers took some action, and I haven't seen the mime since. But it was definitely unsettling. Whoa. If you unsettle the cage. I think he's kind of loving it. Silent <laughs> and maybe deadly. Yeah. yeah, they shook that cage. He was shooketh. <laughs> it's not the first incident to happen to him. This is from the Daily Beast. Quote, it was two in the morning. I was living in Orange County at the time and was asleep with my wife. My two-year-old at the time was in another room. I opened my eyes and there was a naked man wearing my leather jacket eating a fudgesicle in front of my bed. I know it sounds funny, but it was horrifying. You wake up, there's a man in your room wearing naked, wearing your leather jacket, eating an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because that's something that he would do. But you yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, "Hey, this is a tribute to you, yeah. my hero, Nick Cage." What? What are you doing? Fudgesicle, fantastic. Fantastic. That's a beautiful touch. Whilst promoting 
Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, 2011, <laughs> actor Idris Elba recalled an incident on location in Romania, and Elba noticed that Cage was looking a little tired. Cage said, yeah, man, I went up to Dracula's castle, the ruins up in the mountains, and I stayed the night. I just had to channel the energy, and it was pretty spooky up there. <laughs> he just went and stayed up in the, in some ruins on the mountain. Yeah, and then just came back and started filming He's Ghost Rider. He's got work tomorrow. That's right. Gets, you need a good eight hours. Come on. Sounds like some of his life feels like... He's live. I haven't seen it, but that national treasure, or whatever it's called, like that pyramid gravestone, feels like a really a clue in a movie there, like that. Yes, I, the, a story I haven't mentioned here is that he spent a good few years of his life where he was actually on a search for the Holy Grail, right. <laughs> <laughs> just to buy the bar. And he ended up finding a well. It was supposed to be like you know the well of the Fountain of Youth. And he's like, and I drank from it and it tasted like blood. But then I realized that there's a lot of iron, old iron stuff in the water and that water just, uh, that blood tastes a bit like iron. And that's probably why. And then I gave up on the quest. So he really went on a quest. Wow. In in a break between his seven films. <laughs> yeah, about, seven films, five wives. I've got about <laughs> 20 minutes here. I might try and find the Holy Grail. Have <laughs> yeah. we wrapped early today? Great. Well, I'll go yeah. find the Holy Grail. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm on the way to have a look at a three-headed uh, <laughs> three headed gopher. Um, so, uh, Idris, I'll catch you in the morning. <laughs> hey, Rude. Good night. <laughs> Bright and early. Finally, from 2014... The Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas, held an annual festival called Caged. Well, they played five back-to-back Cage films in a row, but they didn't tell people beforehand what the films were going to be. You buy the ticket, you take the ride. Great. Every year, they invited Nicolas Cage to attend, and in 2017, he actually turned <gasps> up. Sick. According to Cracked, he walked on stage right as they were singing Happy Birthday to the absent Cage over a cake. It wasn't actually his birthday. <laughs> he probably should have said, don't do that to me again. <laughs> yeah. No. Why, so, why were they wishing- I think every year as part of the festival, as they a joke, him a happy birthday. they brought out a Nicolas Cage-themed cake and sang happy birthday to him. And he walks out. He walks in and they're like, Based Holy- on the John Woo story? I don't know. Or if it's just like a funny thing to sing happy birthday to their hero. Wow. And he walked on stage and they're like, holy shit. Well, didn't one of our Patreons recently at like a mummy screening, Brendan Fraser, was there? Yeah. Yes, I love that so, so much. Wild. I love that so much. My dream. Imagine, I would lose my freaking mind. Oh, my God. I would die. Dave, you should totally do that. <laughs> Uh, you know, when you know that the uh, ac- accounting ad you're in is going to play That's before right. a movie, like you go on there today and you stand up before and go, hey, I'm going to do a quick Q&A after the- You guys want to throw some balls at me just like I got thrown at me in the- That's a fantastic idea. In the commercial for H&R Block or- Or I just get up there and say, all right, who's done their tax? All right. <laughs> That's good stuff. Like they'll recognize me. Yeah. And then they're confused. But Nick Cage, he got up, he answered questions from the audience, presided over a wedding proposal. What? Preside. You don't need someone to preside over that. He no, just- you do. Oh, cool. do you? If you don't have someone to preside, you're oh doing God, it wrong. Oh, my God, is that what I did wrong? Yeah. Well, he goes, <laughs> I've done five of these. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Let me, I'll take it from here. <laughs> I'll propose for you. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> he then performed a live reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Sure. He said, it's my way of saying thank you, explaining that the poem influenced his work. And you can watch the full video of him reading it on YouTube. And it's safe to say he goes full cage. <laughs> he starts screaming at the end. Wow. It's in here. 
I'm beating on that hideous heart. He just really screams oh, it. Oh, he's unhinged. Absolutely. He then stayed to watch all five oh, films off. that they showed of his. Okay, what do, what do we have? They, he just sat in a cinema with people. I wouldn't be able to focus on the film. Nick Cage is right there. I'd be watching Nick Cage watching Nick Cage. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, I'd be like, what's he chuckling at? What lines does he find fun? That's wild. Or whispering to him, I love this bit. Yeah. Or he'd be whispering. And maybe he'd be annoying. He'd be giving you like the director's, director's commentary. commentary. Yeah. Shut up. I haven't seen this. <laughs> Shut up. I've paid good money to be here. Shut up. But that's it. Love him or hate him. That's the weird and wonderful world of Nicolas Cage. Fantastic. So good to have uh, learned more about the man. The myth, the legend. The cage. The, the cage. <laughs> Sorry, the cage. Yeah, there he is. I'm tempted. I'm not going to watch all his films. No. So many, but I'm going to watch many of them now. Actually, I'm, I'll watch them all. I'll do it. I think you should. I think it's cowardly not to. <laughs> My wang! <laughs> well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to thank some of our fantastic supporters. Without these people, this show doesn't exist. They kept the lights on, as they say, uh, by supporting us at patreon.com slash pod. And, uh, yeah, we thank them in a bunch of different ways. Uh, we give some shout-outs. Uh, we answer some questions, that sort of stuff. The first thing we like to do is a section called Fact, Quote, or Question, which has a jingle goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. That's ding. right. Oh, he always remembers the ding. <gasps> she always remembers the sing. <laughs> and uh, the way this works is for people who sign up, on the Sydney Schoenberg level or above, uh, they get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or a brag, or a suggestion, or a recipe, or a joke, or really whatever they like. Anything they like. And uh, I read Just not an out. insult. No, I can't that's take not it. I'm very fragile. Yeah, I think that's fair. But you can insult Matt. Yeah, as long as you soften the blow by complimenting Jess. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're gonna, someone's gonna do that, and I'll be reading it out in two months' time with no memory of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm just going, like, oh, oh, that's, that's so me. mean. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't do that. They also get to give themselves a title, and I don't read them out till I read them out, which is me just um, giving myself an excuse for stuffing up. You're giving yourself permission to shine. Thank you. The first one this week comes from Jacoby Dangel. Dave, you always correct me on the pronunciation here. Is that am I close? Yeah, well, Jacoby. And Dangel? Dangel. Dangel's his <laughs> middle name. No, sorry, surname. <laughs> and Jacoby has given himself the title of co-director of the Dugon movie, currently stuck in development hell. Oh, <laughs> come on. We need Cage in there. We need yeah. Cage. Oh, he could play like our wacky manager or something. Yeah. Release the Cage. All right, so Jacoby's offering us a brag. Love this. Love a brag. Yeah, great one. Writing... Hey, Matt, Jess, and Dave. It's been a while. I finally caught up on the pod after being behind for well over a year. I wanted to submit a fact, quote, or question for a long time now, but forgot if I had done so since the last time you read mine out. So, I finally committed to getting up to date. I've shot through probably 50 episodes in the last couple of months. Hopefully, now I'll be a bit more consistent with my fact, quotes, and questions. Anyway, that's not even my actual break. All right. Oh, my God. That wasn't it? Because that was very bragworthy. It was thrilling. Listening to a bunch of podcasts pretty quickly. So, here's the brag. Dave is not the only one who got married <gasps> last year. <gasps> who else? That's right. I'm married, bitch. Woo! 
Congratulations. I met the love of my life, Margaret Mumba. Holy fuck, that's a great name. At school where we both were studying film. It lined up that we were able to graduate with the same associate degree in May, get engaged in June, and get married in July. Oh, my God. It was quite a big year filled with all sorts of highs and lows. Hopefully, the low wasn't the wedding. Honestly, I'm just glad to finally have someone I love to share in the adventure with. <laughs> oh, this is so nice. I'm surprised she agreed to a second date seeing as how I'm a big nerd and a total virgin. <laughs> Something Dave would understand. Yeah, By now, she's well used to my love of music, books, comics, useless trivia, and Australian podcasts, and even enjoys some of it. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, we are currently reading through The Lord of the Rings together. Consider this an unofficial request for Dave to cover them on book cheat. Oh, oh my God. You've already read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the point of book cheat is he reads the book, so you don't have to. That's right. Everyone's read Lord of the Rings. I've um, seen the movies. <laughs> yeah. Marriage really has been wonderful so far, and I look forward to spending a lifetime with my love. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm assuming the actual intended tone is quite different <laughs> to the tone you've hit, but it's uh, it's still fun. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, look, That's I, so nice. I love love, don't get me wrong. You but, love love. Uh, I also cringe at love. I've got a complicated uh, yeah. relationship with love. You've got a love-hate relationship with love. Sincerity. Yeah. It's, I just find it tricky, but I, I love it when other people are doing it. But yeah. now that I'm involved- Yeah, it's disgusting. You're seeing how I'm, I can't even read it right. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. That's so nice. Thank you for that life update too. Uh, so, cheers from your co-directors, Jacoby and Margaret. P.S. Margaret is from Zambia. I'm wondering if Dave has been there on any of his adventures. May hit you guys some Zambia facts in the future if you're Ooh, interested. I'd love to hear more about Zambia. Would it's on my list. Love to go there. I haven't been to Southern Africa in any way, and I am going to do it. Yes, I'm very keen. We're going to go together, aren't we? Maybe. <laughs> Sampa the Great's uh, Zambian. I think that's that's my that's my main knowledge of Zambia. Is that Sampa the Great is from there? Yes. Fair. It's and, also where you and can- touring Australia coming up for the first time with a Zambian band. Oh, sick. Yeah. That sounds cool. All right, we'll go there, and that'll be our first foray, Matt, into- Zambia. Yep. Zambian culture, and then we'll go to Zambia. Yes, okay. Which is a, yeah. a, an even bigger foray. Some yes. would say. <laughs> Some would argue. A five A. All right. So <laughs> the next one comes from Claire Norris. Oh, sorry, Jacoby. Happy wedding. Happy, happy wedding. Happy married. Great happy to hear life. from you. Claire Norris, aka Doctor of Solitude. Holy shit. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and Claire's offering a fact, writing, Hi all, I hope you're doing well. I wanted Jess to be able to add more left-handed members to her list. Yes. Uh, princesses Tiana and Mulan from ah. Disney are both left-handed. Uh, Tiana was even purposefully made left-handed, so the character was more like the voice actor. Oh, that's right. nice. Although she couldn't get into character. That's right. She's like, I just can't relate to this person walking Where around, writing with their right hand. <laughs> what is that like? It just feels <laughs> wrong. Disgusting. <laughs> I can't inhibit that body, that Sorry. character. I've been vomiting on this vocal microphone <laughs> all morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's how I feel about right-handers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're all disgusting. Mutual feeling. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really star-cross lovers. <laughs> you but, and I? Yeah. That's a really one-sided thing. Like, I'm indifferent to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's where the stars are crossing us. Unrequited love. <laughs> Requainted? <laughs> he gets it wrong every time. Requainted? 
Requited. Requited. Mm-hmm. Requited. Unrequited. Unre- <laughs> There's no N. <laughs> it's like it's, um, bicept all over again. <laughs> Jeez, I'd love to add a letter into a word. And what month is this? <laughs> uh, February. <laughs> and Claire says, thanks for giving me lots to listen to each week. P.S. Matt, I'm loving who knew it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Claire. Um, keep up the good work. Cheers, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Love that little bit of who knew it love at the end. Yeah, love that. And love that way more than the whole Jacoby marriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One little compliment to me. Ooh, gobble, gobble, gobble. Uh, I'm on team Jacoby. Oh, I mean, yeah, of course look. you are. All you married pricks are all <laughs> the same. We get together and we talk about You're how great it is to be married. married that's right. <laughs> is how how does your life change once you're married? Completely. Really? I didn't think it would change that much, but it is so different. Have you got more money now? Yeah. A colour's different now? Yeah, the things taste better. Really? You know, you just taste marriage. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I don't. That's the thing. You can't even imagine how I good it feels. I can't imagine how because I'm like, not married. You can't imagine living with your partner. No. Nah. You can't imagine doing every going on holiday with your partner, no, for example. No. Now I'm allowed to do that. What? You're allowed to be seen holding hands in public? Yeah. Wow. And if people come up and try and like karate chop our hands together, I say slap them across the face and then show my ring yeah. and they apologize and give me fifty dollars cash. Dave. Wow. What does love feel like? <laughs> Dave, what does other people hand feel like? <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Siraj Pierce, uh, whose title is Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis. And S- Siraj is offering a suggestion writing Average Bear. It's on Paramount Plus. But do yourself a favour and see it live if you can. London is getting some live <laughs> shows in March. She it was on a plane yesterday. We are talking about Michelle Brazier. Michelle Brazier's this is her show, show. Average Bear. Um, she's. I got six shows in London coming up, like, by the time this comes out, it's like this week or something. At the Soho Theatre. Yeah, and it is... A f- it's a phenomenal a, show. A tour de force. It's an incredible show. It's so good. So, you should absolutely go check it out. Mm. Firm Definitely. agree. Very biased. She's a good friend of mine. March 6 to March 11 at the Soho Theatre. Fantastic. Go for Michelle. Stay for Tim. Oh, my God. My favourite part of the show is Tim. <laughs> I love to watch Tim watch Michelle on stage. It's a show they've done 400 times. If you like love, just go oh, and watch Tim. watch Tim love Michelle. <laughs> and he sits there and he, like, laughs at the jokes. And I'm like, Tim, you see this every night and he's loving it. Great guy. Love Tim. So, go to Tim Lancaster's show. (laughs) That feels right. (laughs) Thank you for that suggestion, Siraj. Finally this week from Nick Fidian. Another fantastic name. Okay. The junior, senior vice president of Making This Up as I go along. Oh, I nailed that, Nick. And Nick is asking a question. Oh, so, we got a brag, a fact, a suggestion, and a question this week. Nick writes, what's your favorite type of topic to learn about? either when researching or when one of the others is giving a report. Mine's a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I like learning from you guys. Mm -hmm. I don't learn anything from your reports. It's more just that I persevere through them. Uh (laughs) To which do you prefer persevering through the most? Um, So, which type of topic is it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Like, a mystery is fun. Mystery. I like an adventure. Yeah. 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 Adventures can be fun. When they're out on the high seas or they're- Surviving, yep, is is gripping. I like, you know what I say. I like one that I've never heard of because yeah. I don't know where it's going, and I'm learning something. 
the whole way. I kind of like one where I I know the name of the topic but nothing else. Mm. And right. that's sort of because that always makes me feel like if I know of this, I should know about it, but I don't. And it makes yep. me feel bad. Like a naughty little idiot. <laughs> so I like to learn about that because then I feel smart. Know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mean. Obviously, I retain everything. So, um, yeah, I love an, a mystery or an adventure of fun. Yeah. Some of a bit of a few twists and turns. Yeah, I a few love moments a twist. Like, wait, what? I love a <gasps> moment. I love one that feels like a mystery, but the mystery is solved. Yeah. That is such a great feeling, isn't it? So satisfying. When you're not expecting it to be solved and hang on, they got the Golden State Killer? Yeah. yeah. I like uh, to research. I like to have one where I can reveal late that it's a mystery. I do like to do that. I like to build the suspense and then go. We still don't know. That's fun. Love it. Fun. Uh, I like uh, Nicholas Cage, for example. Yes. Yeah. Well, Nick Fidian. uh, He also actually answers the question, saying on a more serious note. Okay. I really enjoy the biographies, especially of people I've heard of but know very little about. Yeah. Appropriate you on this episode. This is a bio. Mm. Bio app. Haven't done one in ages. Uh, love all of the reports, though, even if it's on a subject I wouldn't normally be that interested in. Keep up the great work you do every week. Oh, thank you so much, That's Nick. very nice. I reckon because the biographies are sort of – I reckon that, that would be a lot of people's least favourite, maybe. Yeah. But I love that it's uh, someone's favourite because it's – I enjoy them. I love the variety. I think that's the fun thing about this podcast is it it can be anything, basically. And I really like doing biographies because it's usually somebody I'm interested in and I like, yeah, learning a bit more about, you know, I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, Dolly Parton, big hair, nine to five, cool, whatever. And then you learn more about them and you're like, oh, shit, this is really interesting. She's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, for example, this week, because my last two reports were on- a terrorist attack. It was quite heavy and full on to research yeah. and do. So, this one, I was like, I'm going to watch some movies, learn about Nicolas Cage, who seems like an eccentric character I don't know much about. So, I want, you know, for me, it was just a little break from the darkness. Totally. And from a writing perspective as well, more often than not, a biography is quite a linear story. So, it makes it a bit easier to put information in order. Sometimes it can be hard when a report, you can start it at many different points and you could bring in information at many different points. It's hard, it's hard to structure it sometimes. Sometimes it's nice to have something that's nice and clear mm. where you're like, okay, great. I start here. This is the middle. That's the end. Done. And this was a free choice for you? So, we every at any one mm. time, one of us is just is doing a free choice and the other two are doing Patreon votes. Yep. So, you, this was your choice? Yeah, I did this. It came, Nicholas Cage came second. I put th- four Hollywood topics up when we did our show in Sydney in the cinema mm-hmm. for the Ritz. And he came second. And I was kind of happy because I think it was the live shows often were, you know, were doing about an hour or a bit longer. And I felt like this was, yeah, a bit more time, a bit more breathing yeah. room to talk about him. Yeah, sick. Save it. Thank you very much, Nick, for that question. Uh, the next thing we like to do is uh, shout out a few of our other great Patreon supporters are on the shout-out level or above. Uh, Bob, you normally have a, a game based on the topic that week to play. That's true. It's a, I always feel like it's a stretch calling it a game, but- um, Okay. What do you think? Would you call this a game? Yeah, it's a game. Okay. That's really fun. I'm ready to play. Some of us love to play. Well, yeah. I love playing games if I can win. <laughs> <laughs> Very competitive. Um, I can't think of – oh, maybe – okay, yes, I've got it. Um, it's the – we're going to assign each of these people um, a, a, a lavish purchase they've made. Oh, yeah. Nick Cage style. Nick Cage style purchase. Yep. Fantastic. May I kick us off this week? Yes. Please. I'd love to thank from Ashford in the United States, in Washington, I believe. It's Brendan. 
Brendan has bought the oldest tree in the world. Wow. And wow. had it taken out. <laughs> Whoa. Pop, put in a very big pot. Yeah. And delivered to his apartment. Cage put on a balcony. Yeah. Cage would do that. One of those yep. fossil ones in Scotland. Yeah. Didn't we go oh, yeah, see some- thousands of years old. We were near some fossil trees. <laughs> Not sure we ever found them. I don't think we found them either. We were near them. We, we went were, to that park. We knew we were, we were in the vicinity of yeah. greatness. Wow. Brandon, that's a fantastic purchase. I think that will appreciate in value. <laughs> uh, from Rochdale South in Queensland, Australia, I'd love to thank Katie. Oh, Katie has bought Big Ben. Whoa. The clock tower. It's actually the bell. <laughs> It's actually uh, called Elizabeth Tower, if you want to be specific. They renamed it after the Queen of the Jubilee. So, anyway, but she's bought the, actually, not the tower, the bell. The bell. So, good luck ringing midnight now. So, so Katie has had the bell shipped to uh, Queensland. Her apartment. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> great, love that. She lives inside it now. Beautiful spot. I'm I guess if you big- turned it upside down, it'd be a nice jacuzzi. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. It'd be so big that you couldn't swim to the bottom. <laughs> Do you reckon? That's a big bell. How big is it? I'll look it up. Okay, great. You Sorry, thank another ben. person. We're going to look up how big this Ben it really is. I would also love to thank from Kangasala in perhaps Finland, it's wow. Sander Rabane. Sander Rabane from Finland? FI is the country code. Me see. Yes, in wow, Finland. Wow, cool. Very cool. Um, Sander is a great name as well. And uh, Sander has actually purchased the Northern Lights. Wow. Yeah. And had them shipped <laughs> to his apartment. And it's embarrassing, actually, Sander, because you can just buy, like, galaxy lights right. uh, that do precisely that. Yeah, but why not get the real thing? At this Tray. time of year? <laughs> yeah, you can do it anytime. Specific to- I got one in my bedroom right now. To Sanders' apartment. To Sanders' apartment. It's pretty cool. That I've is so up. cool. Big Ben, the bell, measures 2.7 metres in diameter, 2.2 metres in height. So, you could dive and jump into that. You could do a bomb yeah. into the Big a Ben bomb. pool. <laughs> you could also Two metres deep. A large bong. I can't stand in that. Bong. There you go. Um, can I thank some people? Please. I would love it if you did. I would love to thank from Mount Coolum in Queensland- Angela. 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 I think what Angela purchased was edition two of Action Comics. Whoa. Wow. People don't think about Action no Comics. No one does. Two. And that's, that's, that's where Angela is ahead of the game. You know, what comes after number one? Number two. Yes. Oh, does it? <laughs> yes. Is that right? <laughs> so, there, there you go. That's exactly what Angela said. You two are in sync. Wow. There you go. Um, I would also love to thank from, I'm going to say this wrong, but Ruska in Poland, Sandra Anita. Sandra Anita. Two first names. Oh, that's so good. Anita is a surname. It's fantastic. Sandra Anita has bought a two-headed car. Wow. It's a Lamborghini with two front. Yep. Two bonnets. Yep. Welded together, yep. two steering wheels, yeah. and they both wheels work. Great. So, you have to drive it with a friend and get them- We're turning left now. We're turning left. Because they start turning right, and you're turning left, you'll end up just going straight. Pretty sure that's how that would work. <laughs> that's a- so the two-headed car. <laughs> that's confusing. Yeah. What's the benefit I of having left. two heads on a car? What's the benefit of having two heads on a snake? It's cage- just buys yeah, wild true. stuff. Yeah, you're right. True. Sorry, I shouldn't ask questions. Yeah, also, sweet. Sandra finds Sorry? it uh, offensive. soothing and relaxing. Fair enough. 
Um, I Did you know that? Sorry, just quickly, I've just looked up the uh, who first appeared in Volume Two, uh, the One-Eyed Gora. Oh, wow. So yeah, and also Doroka, his servant. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would also love to thank from Dublin in Ireland, Paula Corcoran. Paula Corcoran from Dublin. Did oh. you know this? Uh, Paula Corcoran bought issue <laughs> <laughs> issue four oh, action comics. Wow. Yeah. Who first appeared in that? Oh. <laughs> how, much, they- how much did that go for? Oh. Oh, I've got number two here. Yeah? What do you got? Well, the most recent one I can find was 2012, sold for $13,000. And this, like is, this, a, this is how they describe it. The superhero who started it all, Superman, makes his second ever appearance. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's so maybe in, in four, which um, Paul has just purchased, Superman makes his fourth ever appearance. <laughs> probably. Anything about that? Uh, probably worth one hundred and fifty to $200,000. Okay. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what purchase it for, but imagine how much it's going to be worth, you know, in two, three, ten years Millennia. time. Yeah. Oh, years. Um, yeah, so it's pretty impressive. Dave, do you want to thank some people? I'd love to thank some of the people. First of all, I'd like to thank from Western Australia in Wellard, it's Peter Hansen. Peter Hansen. Keep it handsome. <laughs> oh, warming up early. That's good. Can I use that handsome? I really hope there's some... That's anyway, Peter's catchphrase. Hopefully there's some Hansons coming into the Triptych Club in a second. But Peter <laughs> Hansen has bought, Jess, Peter's largest purchase. Uh, has Crazy bought wild purchase. a very big horse. Wow. Like you think Clydesdale big. Yeah. Mm. This is like a double Clydesdale. Two-headed Whoa. Clydesdale. It's a two-headed Clydesdale. <laughs> <laughs> We're turning and left. We're turning a left. A two-anist Clydesdale, which means more fertilizer. <laughs> Double the poop. Double the poop, which a lot of people would see as a negative, but not Peter. Peter We're talking like Megatrot's level big? Real big. Wow. That's so big. That's sick. And it flies. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And again, it has two heads and two asses and it flies and it's very big. Two wings. Two wings. Otherwise, it couldn't fly. Or it has a little propeller. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) A little propeller hat. Hey, good on you, Pete. Enjoy it. I'd like to thank now from Plainsborough... Township in New Jersey. New it's Jersey. William Hofstader. Oh. I love a city that doesn't oversell itself. Plainsboro. Yeah. Township. Plainsboro Township. <laughs> hey, That's we beautiful. are what we say we are. Yeah. So what's on the label? Yeah. And what has William purchased? William has purchased a monster truck. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Hi. Way to I know it's not, but it's just the song that plays in my head whenever I'm driving something. And it's a monster truck. It's that one that looks like a megalodon. <laughs> Is this the Meg? It's the Meg. You seen that one? Love it. A no. monster truck that looks like a megalodon. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> I'm not making this up, am I? And that's William Hofstadter. <laughs> yeah. What's the truck? Megalodon. You ever seen the Megalodon film, Dave? With Jason Statham and the Meg. Great movie. I haven't seen it. 
Death Race is my favourite. What oh. makes you think I'd risk my life for you? That's pretty sick. They're not, they're not listening. They're looking at a picture of the Meg. Oh, that is pretty sick. <laughs> I um I also really like Death Race. Death Race is fun. Great movie. And finally, I'd like to thank. Good luck with the the truck, uh, <laughs> William Ofstader. And finally, I'd like to thank from Overland Park in Kansas. They're no longer in Overland Park. It's Nicole Specken. <laughs> Nicole Specken. Dave, do you Specken the English? Because <laughs> it didn't sound like it there. Nicole Specken bought Sputnik t- satellite. Oh, the space junk? Or is it that's still a working thing, is it? It was the, fir- it was the first satellite. Yeah. Bloody hell. the first satellite. That, that is a classic cage purchase. He would buy that for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, big time. I bought Sputnik. Pretty cool. Hey, Great Nicole, choice, enjoy there, Nicole. That. Where should we put it? Oh, just chuck it in the pile of mother junk. <laughs> He's got just a pile of shit. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole, William, Peter, Paula, Sandra, Angela, Sanders, Katie, and Brendan. And the last thing we like to do is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. Uh, these people have been on the shout-out level or above for three straight years. And, uh, yeah, we welcome into this exclusive club um, where you, once you're in, you can never leave in a good way. It's a bit of theatre of the mind. I'm sitting on the door. I've got my clipboard. I'm, I'm going to read out some names. Dave is the hype man. He's chanting out your name. He's hyping you up as you enter the club. Uh, Jess is behind the bar. You normally come up with a drink cocktail based on the topic. What's yeah. the Nicolas Cage taste like? Well, I'm serving drinks in small cages. Oh, yeah. So, you have to very drink leaky. it very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, what you need to do is like just put your mouth at the bottom of this little cage and yeah. I'll pour the Drink in, and then you just have to try and get as much as you can from the little cage. Sounds like it'd be like like licking the uh, the the beater that after yeah. when, when your mum had made a cake. Fuck, I love doing that. I love licking them beaters. I love licking the beaters. <laughs> it'd be like that. Yeah, so it'll be a thick cocktail. No. <laughs> Dave, you normally book a band uh, for the after party? Yes. Uh, this week, they were going for something slightly different, but a spoken word. We've got Nicolas Cage performing... <laughs> Davy Crockett with music by David Bromberg recreating their famous 1993 album. <laughs> I wow. Recreating it. Love it. Very much looking forward to that. It's got a uh, two star rating on all music. Wow. Out of five. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Yep. Well, let me uh, bring in a few of our great new. Triptych Club members. So, have you explained that I hyped them up? Yeah, yeah. You're the hype man. You're on the Fantastic. stage of the MC. I want them to know what I'm doing. The yeah. <laughs> they need to know. They need to <laughs> understand. So, <laughs> here we go. From Prospect in South Australia, it's Brent Hills Hayes. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a hills, there's a Hayes. Oh, that is good. From Woodland, the Woodlands in Texas, it's Sarah Sumner. I love summer, but my favourite season is Sarah Sumner. Yes, it's beautiful. <laughs> From Adelaide in South Australia, it's Joe Walker. I'm Joe Walker here. <laughs> yes. From Selena in God's Country, Ohio, it's Jenna Schaefer. I'm not chafing here. I'm chafing here. Yeah. From Alexandria in probably Virginia in the United States, it's Sam Hanora. Hanora, you wouldn't bore her. <laughs> <laughs> Sam would never bore her. From <laughs> very, very exciting. Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's Dan Higgs Matzner. <laughs> um, what to work with you, Dave? The, almost, almost too many I'm options. I'm a fan. 
I'm a fan of Dan. I'm a I'm a I'm I'm getting jiggy with Higsy. I'm getting Kratzner with Matzner. Minneapolis, not Minneapolis. Love your work, Dan Higgs Master from Minneapolis. From college place in Washington, it's Sarah Stephen. Taking me back to college, it's Sarah Stephen. Oh, Watch those elbows. We're playing uh, that game where you shoot the ping pong. Whatever, ping pong. Beer pong. Love it. From Dublin in Ireland, it's Ian, or is it Owen? Owen? It's Owen Kennedy. Look, Owen doesn't owe me money, but Owen owes us a good time. They're coming through. From address unknown, can only assume from somewhere deep within the fortress of the moles. Please welcome in Jedediah. Jedediah takes me Jedediah. Oh, I'm sore in here. <laughs> from How are you so good at this? Oh, thank you so much. In New Zealand, it's Cat Ford. Look, I don't want to be Ford here, Cat, but you're my favourite. Come on in. <laughs> And finally, from Austin, stay weird in Texas, it's Justin Leach. Justin Leach, you ain't no leech. You make me reach. For the stars. For the stars, Justin. Boo, boo, you boo. inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in. Make yourselves at home. Grab yourself a cage cocktail. Justin, Kat, Jedediah, Owen, Sarah, Dan, Sam, Jenna, Joe, Sarah, and Brent. Ooh, that was like spoken word itself mm, there. That was nice. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Is there anything we need to tell people, Jess? That they can suggest a topic. Um, on our website, there's a link in the show notes as well, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dogoonpod. You can find us on social media at dogoonpod, and remember to wash your butt. Dave mm. booted home. Remember. Hey, tweet us your favorite Nick Cage film. What is it? And why do you love it? We'd love to hear from you. Hey, we'll be back next week with another fantastic episode. I'm already predicting that. But until then, I'll say thank you so much for listening, and goodbye. Later. Bye. <laughs> 365 day returns.